Insomniac's third unannounced exclusive? The age of acquisition continues. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me on this fateful day is one Mr. Chris Figs. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know why this is a fateful day? Oh, why? We're about to find out about aliens. This is a fateful day because, Chris, I feel like you were once... uh, You once lived on the edge of belief. Your faith was weak. I was once lost, but now I am found. You were once lost, but now you are found. Would you like to... You know what? Let's hold off for just a second. Let's get this show going, and then we'll we'll proselytize a little bit. Okay. Okay. All right, Pastor <laughs> Pastor Beck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All Sing right, guys. It. Welcome to Triangle Square Idol PlayStation Podcast. If you're new to the show, first and foremost, we appreciate you for giving us a shot. If you like what we're doing today, consider subscribing and or following however it is, whether you're listening on uh, podcast services or watching on YouTube, as some people prefer to do. Chris just completely destroyed his camera's world, (laughs) but it's okay. He fixed it. They mended things out. They worked it out. Uh, We are, of course, in for a day where we're talking a little bit about Tencent encroaching more into uh, their acquisitions as should come to mostly no surprise to anyone looking at uh, the confirmation of some of the Mortal Kombat one battle pass fighters uh, or whatever fighter pass, whatever it's called Combat uh, looks at yeah combat pass. And then looking at, of course the leaks that we saw uh, hit the interwebs for project Q the handheld device from Sony that is still rumored and according to them aiming to hit by end of year, yet we still don't have a name. So we're going to get into all of that here in a little bit, but we like to start this show off in a time-honored tradition of checking in on what we've been playing so we can give each other games that we may not have been up to or knowing about a chance and let them come into our conscious, or maybe we can get you onto something that you might like that you didn't know about. So let me return. Brother Chris. (laughs) <laughs> brother brett you have become a disciple a disciple of the psvr2 i i have done so yes i have been <laughs> enjoying the uh eyes ears and mouth of christ and hands of christ that would have been funnier well in celebration joke, of, of <laughs> <laughs> edit uh, in celebration of you coming to the light i'd like to thank the father, the PlayStation symbols, as we Baja this blast. Oh, hell yeah. There Daddy. we go. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be sick if we were sponsored by Mountain Dew? I'd be yeah. like, guys, don't pay me anything. Just send me Baja Blast. <laughs> I'll be good. <clears throat> Here, I'll practice. <clears throat> do the do. Do the do. With triangle squared. There we go. We've got the marketing opportunity (laughs) lined up. So as I know, you, Mountain Dew executive, who is a big fan of this show, talk to your people. Get them in touch with our people. Yeah. That's that's us, sadly. Uh, And we'll make something happen. We'll make magic happen, okay? Yep, exactly. Throw in some Doritos. Jokes aside, that that's a you know we'll have to start working on our we have to start doing the podcast with our hands visible and there's just Dorito crumbs at all times. 
But Chris, jokes yes. aside, you did go out. You finally did what I've told you you should do. You finally gave in to either peer pressure or your own insane inability to hold on to your money, much the same <laughs> as me. And you have bought a PSVR too. So I'm going to cede the floor to you. And I would be happy for you to spread the good word of your uh, your more formed opinion on PSVR 2. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I PSVR is awesome, man. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, I've had better days than others, I would say, with PSVR 2. Um, yeah, because like when we played, dude, I don't know what it was. That game made me so ill. I was dying that... I tr- I tried to play something else and I just had to go to bed. I couldn't do it. Um, but other feeling. than that, so yeah, that was be, that was be aware to any PSVR players. I experienced it a bit myself. Uh, not when Chris and I were playing as much. I did have a few moments where I was like, "Whoa!" But the first time I played it with uh, John Stingray X, one of our community members and patrons, John, what's up? Um, I also had a moment where I was like, "Whoa, okay." This is a bit much. I think that that game, it's walkabout mini golf. Mm-hmm. Very and fun for the record. We we <laughs> turned a bunch of the comfort settings off. And usually I like that and usually they don't bother me. But even for me, I think that that's a game that I don't necessarily mind teleporting in. Because it no. doesn't really change the essence of how the game is played. Well, it will the, change the way you explore for secrets and collectibles. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Go ahead. That was the funny thing is, um, my girlfriend came over the next day and we tried a bunch of VR, and that was the one she played the most of, and she was fine. It's so fun. <laughs> played like an hour or two of it while I was just sitting yeah. there playing Snap on my phone. She had no issues with her stomach; totally good. But I don't know. I don't know if you could hear how bad I was struggling during that session, but it was so bad. There were multiple times where I just took, I didn't say a word to you. I just took the headset off and sat there and I'm sure you were talking, but I'm just like, I can't have this on. Um, (laughs) I noticed is what's worse. Uh, (laughs) I'll tell you, I didn't have it that bad. Mm. There was just a few times where it kind of made my stomach churn, but I was able to recover both times without quitting the game. Uh, you, on the other hand, clearly needed to to leave. <laughs> you, yeah. you needed. So the story is we we did that. And we played for about forty five minutes. Chris was coming to grips with the game. We went through a couple of holes, uh, and then Chris kind of goes, "Dude, I've I've got a. I can't keep playing this." So I was like, <laughs> "Do you want to try Pavlov?" Uh, and then as soon as we got into Pavlov, we got into the match, and almost immediately, Chris was like, "No, I I, I, just, I have to get off completely." <laughs> Which I've been there and I've done that, but I haven't had that to that degree since PSVR one. Um, I haven't had it again. So that's I good. I can say that. Yeah. All right, so that's what the PSVR negative games part have you of played? PSVR. Oh God, what PSVR games have I played? Um, I said that like it's a lot, but it's really only Pistol Whip. Um, that's <laughs> really the only VR game I've played. Um, I played a little bit of Pavlov by myself. It's fine. I don't really know if I'm super enamored with it, but it's mostly because I didn't know what I was doing. So I tried to play a multiplayer game and Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden I was just dead and everyone else was yelling at me and I was like, okay, well I'm not playing this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. The magic is that I went into it with someone who was kind of a buffer Uh for me and that was good. And secondarily the type of game mode I played. So coming into it playing, um, what was it? I, I can't, think of the name of the actual excuse me 
the Baja Blast is needing to escape. It's needing to blast <laughs> off. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember the name of the game, but it's the one that I've mentioned before of it being uh, Among Us style. So you have uh, assassins and whatnot. I think it may be called DDD or something like that. Yeah. That could also be in my mind because I've been doing so much Yu-Gi-Oh! And Different Dimension Demon is one of the archetypes in Yu-Gi-Oh! That <laughs> are cool, but also incredibly annoying. Uh, but with that said, uh, go ahead. So I know that you kind of did a smorgasbord try a few things. And I don't think you necessarily yeah. played a lot of all <clears throat> the games. But I saw that you played a good chunk of Beat Saber and a good chunk of uh, Pistol Whip. Yes. So I've played a lot of Beat Saber. Beat Saber is just kind of like, I really like it. But honestly, it's the, sa- it's the same type of game as Pistol Whip. And I much prefer Pistol Whip. Pistol Whip is, is way that? more fun. Oh, it's so much more active. And there's so much more. And I, shooting is just inherently more fun than slashing swords, I think. Especially in that setting. Because um, it's just rhythm. It's just in the, in the end of all of it, it's just a rhythm game. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's more fun to shoot on beat. I don't know how to explain it. Um, so yeah, Pistol Whip's been good. And I started playing the hard modes of Pistol Whip, and I messaged you. I was like, "This sucks. This is so. It's so painful to the point where like I don't. Th- I think I <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but I think I need to take a rest day and not play because I was playing yesterday and I couldn't get my arms up to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually. I- uh, so, you know, we played, right? Yeah. And I had messaged John that day to see if he wanted to hop on, and he had missed it. And he messaged me, like, after I got off, I was like, ah, oh, crap, I missed it. Sorry. Uh, and then he's like, hey, uh, I hit up Chris, too, but you want to get on and play some VR tonight? And that morning, actually, it wasn't even that morning, I had spent from 9.30 in the morning to 7 p.m. at night uh, doing uh, trim, going and buying trim, bringing it in, cutting it all out, installing it all, caulking it all, mm-hmm. painting it all at yeah, the house yeah. next door that I'm remodeling. And uh, I was sore. And I was like, dude, I don't think I can stand on my feet to play VR. <laughs> and I don't really like sitting and playing VR. It just takes me out of the immersion unless I'm playing something like Gran Turismo 7, where seating, like sitting makes sense. Now, yeah. ca- kayak probably feels good sitting because it's... Kayak's not a sitting game. Really? Yeah. They want you to stand. I wonder why. I haven't played it yet. But go ahead. I mean, maybe you could sit, but I fe- it told me to stand, so I've always... And I, I do agree. I prefer it. Um, I prefer standing. Like, I was playing Moss. And it's, mm. first off, Moss is adorable. I like it's that so little cute. mouse. It's the cutest yeah. little game I've ever played. Um, yeah. But I got... Moss got screwed, because I probably would have played it that whole day, but I got, like, the trophy worm in my head. And I missed a scroll like two worlds back. I couldn't figure out how to go back, so I just quit the game. <laughs> just That's a playing. kind of rough. It's a game I actually went for Platinum on on PSVR 1, but because mm-hmm. PSVR made, 1 made me a little more sick, and one of the first things out of your mouth for PSVR 2 was how clear it is. And that, yeah. I think, is a big point as to why PSVR 1 was so nausea-inducing. Is it's just hard to see. It's like you had to focus so hard to get a like a legible image and it's so much better. So I actually want to go back to Moss and also loading is going to be so much better. And that was a big problem. Oh, in Moss and PSVR fast, yeah. one. Um, one of the best things about walkabout mini golf and VR in general is 
not having to load really helps up the immersion to where mm-hmm. when you have your head in a game and then you just immediately show up somewhere like, yeah, that's a little fake in and of itself, but it's it helps you not it helps you stay in the immersion zone with as little as a gap as possible. It's hard to be immersed when you're having to wait 45 seconds to a minute and a half for a game to load. Right. So yeah, being able exactly. to choose a course and be in it in like three <clears throat> seconds on walkabout mini golf, if even that long is kind of incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, like said, uh, the end of that game's rough trophy wise. I, I wonder <laughs> if it's better on PSVR two because of tracking and everything. But you got to do the whole final boss without dying, and it's <laughs> yeah. I haven't engaged almost in any all combat of them yet. are accidental deaths. That, like you could, it, it feels like you didn't do anything wrong, but the game just didn't. It, it track doesn't. Right. I haven't had a moment where I felt like, oh, this isn't precise enough. I felt mm-hmm. I've had moments where it's like, uh, this is almost not precise enough. <laughs> But the one thing I did really like about Moss is it's it is a uh, sit down game. But I thought mm-hmm. it was cool. And I don't know if this was in PSVR one. I feel like just knowing how that was, it wasn't. But I like that you could like kind of just lean over the top and you could see like into stuff that was like out of your vision. And you could kind of look around the map and stuff. But you couldn't rotate it. But I could like spin in my chair and see everything around it. I really liked that aspect of it. It felt felt like I was playing like a board game. More than that you were else. able to see it crazily enough that was in the PSVR one version. And that really? was the one of the coolest parts of it. I it was cool that some <clears> of the <throat> secrets are tucked away in places that you can only really see them if you like lean forward and look over. Yeah. I always thought that was cool. It felt like true secrets where it's like not only do you control Quill, you also kind of run around like you yourself. And I like how the game represents you. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a really reader, special VR I thought that was game. cool. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I will get back to it. Um, let's see. Oh, Synapse. <laughs> oh, did you play it? <laughs> yeah, I, I have it downloaded. I just haven't played it yet. Synapse is is my instinct is to say very fun, but there's some things about it I don't love. Really? Yeah. So it's 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 not as good as Pistol Whip for you. They're no, inherently not, different games. Nothing but. so far has been. As good as Pistol Whip. Okay. Um, Pistol Whip's just so stylish. Like, there's one level where you're doing, like, it's like a cowboy level, and you kick open this door, and you kill a guy in front of you, and then down comes, like, the the name of the episode, and it's just a smoke and thunder, and then it's playing Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. I'm like, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> that was nice. really dope. But... I've started playing the biggest thing with Pistol Whip and why it's there's so much exert. It sounds ridiculous because I'm playing a video game, but I'm like doing a workout, you know? Yeah. But it sounds insane. It's it's the best because you're working out without realizing you're working out. Yeah. Like you know it, but you don't feel in the moment like no, you're working out. Absolutely not. Because like if you're working out, like you're going to stop. You're going to be like, okay, I'm going to take a break between sets, right? And in pistol whip, I would I would be like doing squats, like leg raises, arm raises, like dodging up and down, doing squats and shit for like two and a half minutes. Then I'd be like, I die. We're starting again immediately. Like I'm just going. <laughs> there ain't no fucking rest time in pistol whip VR. There ain't no rest exists. for the wicked. Exactly. There ain't no rest for the wicked. Um, <sighs> but I've been playing it in on hard mode, so like max difficulty. And yeah, it's fucking brutal because that's the cool thing with it is 
you shoot, but you have to dodge bullets and shit. And then sure. it has the it has the beat saber thing where you have to crouch under stuff and lean around. Which I don't love the leaning around stuff because because it's immersive enough that like you can you can kind of feel your body. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're playing VR, like you can feel your body, but when you're going around the walls, all you have to do is get your head around the walls. So I can feel my body like crashing through these metal walls, but my head <laughs> is out of the way, so it's totally fine. I'm in the clear, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the game tells you that. It says like your body is expendable, but protect your head. So like, yeah, all right, I get it. Um, but yeah, that game is intense. I hope you do play it soon. Because even, even playing it on easy... It. You really got it. It's it's very fun because even playing it on easy, it feels so sick because you just pop 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 pop, and you don't miss shots because it has very good auto assist or auto aim. So you're just you feel like John Wick, which I was telling you. I think the game is very much modeled after a John Wick fight. Like that's what they wanted you to feel like, and you do because I would have some times where like. Because I'm playing on hard, I'm redoing these levels over and over and over again. So you would have these cool moments where I'm pistol whipping someone and immediately shooting a guy that's up up above him. I'm like, this feels really fucking cool. But then I die because it's it's goddamn hard. Hard nice. mode you get hit right. twice. And- well, aside from PSVR two, give me your quick rundown on Company of Heroes three. Company of Heroes three is awesome. Uh, it's a good. It's a great tactics game. Honestly, I bought it because it was on sale. And I had said on last week's show that I wanted more tactics games. And I'm like, well, I should probably buy a tactics game. <laughs> Fair so enough. I bought Company of Heroes 3. It's fun. If you like that kind of game, you're going to like Company of Heroes 3. Gotcha. All right. Well, mine's easy. I played a little bit more Final Fantasy 16. And of course, I played VR with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. I actually have been, I've spent almost the whole week watching when I'm not working. Like yesterday, I had to do more prep work for them to come install carpet. Uh, oh, in yeah. that same room. So I had to clean the floor, get everything moved out of it that I'd been doing. So I've been working a bunch. So when I get back over here, I'm kind of tired. I've been hanging out with friends a little bit more often and um, doing a little more Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. And so I've been watching Yu-Gi-Oh anytime I'm not really doing something just to have a way to relax. And yeah. uh, still still having a good time there, uh, nearing the end of the second season. So the, the Battle City arc, uh, what a freaking show man it's so fun <laughs> and then my wife is watching it with me and so she's getting like little nuggets of things that i've talked about a lot and getting her own little weird opinion and yeah the show is kind of corny and cheesy it was dubbed for kids and it's just a good time so uh, i will play more games but to the point of why i've been playing a little less final fantasy 16 actually did what i was a little worried it would do and that I don't immediately know what else to play besides like Remnant because I, and I'm going to get Remnant, but it hasn't officially released until I guess today, actually. Um, you but point being, so <laughs> uh, point being, I Final Fantasy 16 just kind of feels like, yeah, I've played the, the best game this year. And that's a really unfair wow. to put onto games that I haven't even played. But it's just, you come off of that game so high that it's like, I don't want to run the risk of viewing the next game I play worse because in context of Final Fantasy, it's not hitting the same highs uh, for me. So I'm trying to play, I'm trying to look and make sure I'm playing a game that's so distinctly different that the, the comparison doesn't even come up in my head. So that's about it. That's why I've been able, like, VR is perfect because none of those games are really trying to do what 16 does at all, you know? Mm-hmm. 
so it's okay. That, <clears throat> that's bold. Um, I'll be interested to see how you feel in September. No, yeah, me too. Like, don't get <laughs> wrong. I'm not saying I'm not going to play the rest of the big games. It's just right now I'm on the high. See, here's the problem. You're not allowed to not play Baldur's Gate anymore because Sean has already- planned. I know, but Sean has planned around you, so you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> When you messaged me yesterday, my first response, um, I got a message from Chris to let y'all in uh, saying, uh, Sean wants to know if you know what you're going to be playing in Baldur's Gate 3 yet. And my actual response I wanted to say was, oh, man, Sean's going to have to realize that I, I because my my job is so schedule oriented, yeah. when I'm not on the <clears throat> clock, I live my life by the seat of my fucking pants, man. <laughs> I do whatever I feel like in the moment. I kind of, you know, I don't play that far ahead so up until you mentioned it i hadn't even looked at the classes nor worried about it i was like i know i'm playing it yeah but i you know i'll figure the rest out day of but i was like i guess i'll try and be instead of telling chris to just tell sean to get used to the fact that i don't get my shit together in that regard very easily i'm just gonna go ahead and look at the classes and figure out what i want to be well here's the funny part is when we were originally talking about it because you know him you play destiny with him like he's been maxing the game already and it's a month out um, he I, he was like, "What do you think Brett's gonna play?" And I'm like, "Well, I know Brett, so he hasn't even thought about it, but I think he might play a barbarian or a paladin." <laughs> and then you messaged me, and you're like, "I think I want to play a paladin." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> yeah, I thought so." <laughs> that is that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> but Brett probably hasn't thought of it. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> well, because uh, even the thing is, even for me, like I'm only really thinking about it, a because I'm playing the game already, and b because I course. know him, so I had already known that I needed to know. But like when I messaged you, I was like, if he responds with, "How the fuck should I know?" It's a month away. I would have been like, <laughs> "Yeah, all right, <laughs> that's totally fair." I just- I just looked up Baldur's Gate 3 classes real quick yeah. and then looked at each one of their skill sets and what they went through in their description to make sure that I kind of had a good feeling <clears throat> yeah. uh, and make sure that they were in there. And I was like, okay, yeah, one of these two. Like I said, either a warlock, dark and twisted, or a paladin, which is like holy and good and honored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I'm we're like, going to do a good playthrough our first one. And then if you end up wanting to go on the platinum journey with us because we're both trying to go for it, Okay. Our second playthrough is going to be like very evil because that's what I wanted for the first playthrough. I wanted to do we don't discuss shit. That's like, what I want to do. I if I I'm was be evil, honest with you, there's nothing I, for you to do. But he made I the point. I want to be evil without you even knowing. Like I want to be able to just was do saying. shit. Yeah, <laughs> sabotage he, you without you even knowing it. Right. He made the yeah. good point though that for a first playthrough, we'd actually want to see the story and content. And if you start doing shit that we're not with you for, we won't see that content. But I think <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I do too. Like it's if like, you to finished me, the game alone. That would make me laugh. <laughs> to me, that's the dream of the game. Right. That's I completely agree you, with you. You're fulfilling what they really <laughs> want the game to be, which is just you jump in and you create your own fantasy. I mean, it's, it's what's funny. D&D is only as fun as the people you play with. And, you know, we keep talking about how this game is so inspired by D&D. But the reality is, is that I personally think that the be- like the, the the great middle ground for D&D is when you have just enough structure for everything to make sense but just enough chaos for you to never quite know what to predict what's going to happen next. Exactly. Like I wanted like my dream And the game was is already to- the structure. So Correct. the chaos comes from us. <laughs> I wanted the, my dream for it was that I was going to play an evil necromancer 
and like try and avoid you guys realizing I was evil at all. Nice. <laughs> so maybe the second playthrough, now that I've spoiled that to however many people listen to the show. Um, yeah, that'll be what I'm going to do. So. Ah, good time. All right, well, let's hop into the community stake real quick so we can get going with the rest of the show. The community stake, if you are unaware, is where we, at the end of an episode, give you guys either something we talked about in the episode or just come up with a question that we think is fun. And we throw it out there for you all in the community to give us back your answers so that we can get different points of view, maybe give you a chance to push back on something we said, maybe give us a new perspective on something. Uh, and we appreciate that. So if you want to be part of the community stake, you can follow us on, I guess it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. My phone still says Twitter, so I'm you can assuming me. it hasn't happened. You can zeep me. Uh, anyway, you can Call find me, me on Zitter. if you want to reach me. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on X.com. I know you can find us, though, on uh, the social media platform formerly known mm-hmm. as Twitter, uh, at Triangle SQRD. You can find us in uh, Facebook. <laughs> Go ahead, that Chris. Would, what's up? That would have been a better name. <laughs> <laughs> like I would have liked that name. That'd have been great, but he might have had to deal with the, uh, you know, Prince's um, yeah. estate. You know, the artist <laughs> formerly alive as Prince. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast, or you can find us where you're most likely to see us in the Discord, which we have linked in the description below. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, if you are listening on podcast services and you don't mind, we'd appreciate if you take the time out to review or rate the show. If you're on a podcast service that allows you to do so, let other people know if we think the show is worth their time, which helps us get new listeners as well as gives you a chance to give us some feedback on anything you'd like to see in the show, which is exactly why we started making sure that we uh, put timestamps into the show because we had enough people asking for them. So please enjoy timestamps. But without further ado, the community's take question this week was what's a game genre you miss, be it that it is no longer commonly seen or not as common as it once was, and you feel like there is an obvious void in the industry for examples of games that defined that genre. Now, of course, this question's a little loaded because with the rise of indie, there is ostensibly no genre that is completely missed. But that doesn't mean it's going to be very broadly known or anything like that. So we're talking big scheme. What do you feel like you miss that used to rule the roost to some degree? So the first answer comes from one of our patrons, Velvet Thunder, who went to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month to support the show. Thank you, Velvet. He says, DJ Hero, we only got two games. We deserved more. I'll never get the feeling of being Jazzy Jeff. Uh, and that is mirrored on Facebook. I didn't pull it in, but I know by one of our longtime listeners and friends, uh, Josh Shoop, who said he misses rhythm games, despite the fact that they came in hot and got kind of burned out all at once. They were a good time. And I still have a good time when I play them now. I do miss there being new ones. Play VR. Though Rock Band keeps the dream alive by still adding new songs to this day that you can buy a Rock Band <laughs> for. Let's go, baby. Yeah, but no fucking Taylor Swift. It's disgusting. That's probably because of Taylor Swift, though, to be fair. <laughs> my, my God, they've been adding Limp Biscuit. The the dream is fucking, we've reached it. Yeah. I we did it. it for the Nookie. And we got it. <laughs> the Nookie. We got the Nookie. We did it, Chris. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> All right, next Woo! one comes from Sweet Grand Trismo Jones, longtime friend of the show. He says, that's easy for me. The PS2 had a plethora of air combat games. Obviously the Ace Combats, but also Sega's Aero Elite, LucasArts, Codemasters, Konami, all were making them. 
it's the only genre that has me contemplating buying a PC. And yeah, that's the cheat code for this entire question. Buy a PC, those games are oh, pretty much any genre is easily and broadly available uh, if you just want to do a little digging. So that's a good one. You are correct. It's been a while since we've seen the Ace Combat. It's about time that Ace Combat comes back around with PSVR 2 support. There's no reason for them not to do so. Uh, let's see. Next one comes up from one of our patrons, No Fate, longtime listener. He says, I really miss light gun games like Time Crisis, House of the Dead, Point Blank, Silent Scope, etc. These are the games I seek out most when visiting the arcade. Well, and pinball machines, too. Pinball All machines right. are amazing. Okay. This is a perfect segue because I was wondering this while I was playing Pistol Whip. How is there no... Time, time, time crisis one and two on dude VR. I, I couldn't believe there wasn't on PSVR one. A time crisis four remaster. They don't even have to do anything. <laughs> it, it is crazy because I know you know the, the, the reality of uh, of light gun games is that there's no real reason for them to be available at a home level anymore, but they just put them in VR. They're the same. Right. It's the exact same game. <laughs> First it's off, an, it's an on-rail shooter that you control. I mean, if I had the money, I would buy Time Crisis Four as a fucking machine. I would buy that. So you know, make it happen. But VR, like, why? Why would they not do that? I'd it love to not- actually know what the story is in those games. <laughs> That's fair. It will not happen, and I know that. But do you remember when Dead Space 1 blew up and became really big, and then Dead Space mm-hmm. 2 got even bigger, and so they were doing all the extra Dead Space ports and things, and they were coming up with new games? Do you remember the Wii version of Dead Space, which was Dead Space Extraction, so it was an original story, and yeah. it was an on-rails shooter? Yeah, that came to PS3. That's how I played yeah, it. Yeah, it did. It came, it came to PS3 with Move. Mm-hmm. I want that game remade or at least remastered for VR. There's no Facts. reason not to do it. That would be so sick. Dude, give, give me dude, Dead Space give remake. Give me Dead Space. Exactly. <laughs> Even if it's just you make a Dead Space a remake inspired rail shooter, because it doesn't have to be free movement. I don't particularly care, though that would be pretty freaking sick. Also, playing Dead Space in first person would be pretty wild. It would be. If Resident Evil it would feel like Doom on a spaceship. (laughs) 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 You could totally do it, though. I would be so in. Give me Doom in VR. Well, maybe not. I don't think that's going to happen. But (laughs) well, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. But Doom in VR sounds fun. Just rip and tear, (laughs) blasting in your ears. Absolutely. In the, yeah, in, God. What's the name of the song from uh, Doom Eternal? That is such a smack. Uh, it's 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 a it's a great song. Hold on. Rip and tear. No, uh, Rip and tear's first game. Uh-huh. Uh, Doom Eternal OST. It's got a crazy name. What the hell is the name of it? Oh, the only thing they fear is you. That song is sick. It All is right. so fucking cool, dude. You should check it out if you haven't. I haven't even played Doom Eternal. I actually need to. It, it looks like a great time. But the soundtrack is incredible. I I couldn't play Doom Eternal. Because uh, that, do you remember when I when I platinumed the original Doom during COVID, mm-hmm. and it glitched on me, so I had to replay mm-hmm. the whole thing again, get all the collectibles again. I can't say I blame you. Deleted Doom Eternal off my console. <laughs> can't say I blame you. All right, let's pump it, through the rest of these real quick. B Raj, another one of our patrons, says I miss the arcade style sports games, i.e., NFL Blitz, NHL Blitz, MLB Slugfest, NBA Jam. Fun enough to keep you interested, but casual enough where you could pick it up casually. 
I do miss those games. I at least wish that modern sports games would put modes in their form because I can understand that if you released a full game like that in today's market at today's market price, uh, it probably wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but make it $10 DLC for NBA 2K or make it a mode within NBA 2K, you have a good, you know, that's pretty. First off, where's my MLB The Show VR? Seriously, I mean? give me MLB the show and it's just the road to the show part. I would play that in VR every day. Easy. Easy. T-tanks. All right, we got one more here. T Dog or TT Dog 666, another longtime listener, longtime patron. He says, Call me old fashioned, but I love the old style Resident Evil 4 screen switching era games. There should still be a place for that style of title in the market. Now, those do mildly exist, like what we saw with um, not Synapse. Um, what is the name of the game, Chris? You can explain in a minute. Nope. The Resident Evil 1 inspired uh, horror game Signalis. Signalis, thank you. I knew it started with an S. Uh, Signalis does that, but of course, that's more in the indie sphere. And even a lot of the indies that are getting a lot of attention don't necessarily do that. So that could be a good one. Can you think of any AAA game? Do you think a AAA game would be ballsy enough to do screen switching with fixed cameras now? Oh, uh, Chris's uh, dogs are... Barking. That's not a metaphor. That's actually what's yeah, happening. I'm fairly sure my dad just got home. So, um, Oh, do your dogs get like hype as shit whenever their favorite people get home? Yes. Which means yeah. they don't get hype as shit when I get home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's not going to take us out for the 15th time in the last hour. Um, I No, probably not. Because I don't think... <sighs> I don't know if this is a bad take, but I don't think you can justify that style for seventy dollars. Yeah, you're probably right, but I don't know because even if really it's the good. thing is, is the the reality of it is, and the reality of it is, is that people want to spend money on something that they think fits a certain level of quality. But the reality is, is that that doesn't inherently mean bad quality. It's just a stylistic choice. It's just a style. Like, yeah. it, it's kind of like one of the other answers we got that I didn't put in here, but came from Josh Ayers. He's talking about turn-based JRPGs. And he was bringing up the fact that it would probably not be financially very viable for them to do a big AAA turn-based JRPG. Um, but it is kind of the question of like, why? It does suck that that becomes a thing, but you got to well, always reach out to the, the wider audience and the wider audience yeah. clearly doesn't want that. Well, that's kind of why I've always been an advocate of them even if they don't make it, trying to get studios to make small indie indie games, as in the genre of indie games. Do you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> yeah. and um, make even those if they're games. not actually independent. Correct, exactly. Yeah, because that's a specific style, and I would take a bunch of games in that style. Yeah, for sure. I like those games that are kind of indie in design and setup, and you look at it and you go, that's clearly indie, but there's still that level of polish that feels surprising at that right. level. Like, if those you look are always at cool something we'll talk about later in terms of Sea of Stars, like, what, you could make those games. Like, I'm sure for a company that's not an independent studio, that's not a very difficult thing to make. You know, I'm sure Sony could get a studio to pump those out if they wanted to. So. I don't know. You know, maybe that's something that only hits that level of quality and at that thing when it's a piece, it's a group of people who are just passionate <laughs> and are doing it without having to worry about 
a certain budget or reaching a you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, you yeah. worry about all that, but in the true sense of like, well, at the end of this, we just may not have a job or be able to make games again, but we gave it our all. Whereas Sony's like, mm, the prof- the shareholders are not going to be very happy with this if we sure. don't put this but number, you know. You kind of get that same motivations, do you not? Like, Sony will shut our studio down and we'll be out of jobs if we don't make a good game. Uh, it, it sounds like a sure. threat to make games, but <laughs> you know, I think you it, like if you bought this team, right? Like, I'm not advocating for it, but let's say they did go and buy. I think it's Sasquatch or something like that. Um, yeah. If they, yeah, if they bought them, and we're just like, make what you make, Sabotage Studios. You know, if they went to Sabotage, we're like, make what you make. Okay. Like you're Do you not, have Sasquatch on the mind? I, it, it was close, all right? It was close. I often find myself with the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Go Me ahead. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, that's all I was saying. Like, I, I, I wish that Sony as a, as a company would be, like, <clears throat> making stuff, smaller stuff like this. Like I've always said, where's the PS Plus initiative? We're not putting there, but we'll put everything else. Yeah, I really still love that idea, but I have to imagine there's a reason we haven't actually seen it. That's kind of where you have to land is they would have done it by now if it was going to be lucrative enough. I mean, the answer is that they always might not, but more likely than not, they would have done it by now. Uh, But moving along, uh, in case you want to know what our answers were, you can find out by listening to last week's episode where we talked about those. Uh, But thank you for being part of the community's take, everybody. Uh, Another soft reminder, if you are liking what we're doing here, consider subscribing. If you're watching on YouTube, talk to us in the comments below. Let us know your thoughts on some of the things we're talking about. Like the first piece of news we have here, which is Tencent and Techland have uh, they've they've buried the hatchet and got married. You know, Techland announced Monday that Tencent would be a majority stake in the studio, but the studio would remain independent and retain access to its IP. Full quote from Powell Marchuka, and I very likely said that wrong, but he's going to deal with it. Quote: We dream of turning Dying Light into the ultimate zombie game experience for players worldwide, providing you with multiple astonishing adventures and pushing the boundaries of solo and online modes to a totally new level, he said. Our open-world action RPG in a fantasy setting is already shaping up to become something truly special. And the goal here is to make sure it will live up to the expectations for our first new IP in almost a decade. Can we make these dreams come true? Yes, we can. But what we realize is that the best, boldest dreams can only be achieved while working side by side with like-minded friends and strong partners who share the same vision, passion, and have the willingness to back it up with their knowledge, experience, and capabilities. He forgot to say capital but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, Today, I'm happy to announce the partnership with Tencent who are in the process of becoming Techland's, Techland's majority shareholder. Teaming up with Tencent will allow us to move full speed ahead with the execution of the vision for our games. We have chosen an ally who will already who has already partnered with some of the world's finest video game companies and helped them reach new heights while respecting their ways of doing things. We will retain full ownership of our IPs, maintain creative freedom, and continue to operate the way we believe is right. I'm also going to continue serving as the studio's CEO. Uh, End quote. All that to say, anybody who thinks that when you get bought out, you get to keep being the company that you are, uh, the way that you want to do it, I hate to tell you that more often than not, that has been proven to be wrong. Uh, If you remember the limited run games fiasco that 
clearly, as everybody has kind of come out and said, came from above limited run games uh, because of the fact that Coke bought them uh, or whatever the name of that thing is. Embracer basically bought them. Uh, of course, you saw that happen with the um, what is the company's name? Livewire. What is the, the Tripwire Entertainment? Yeah, uh, Chris, you're muted. Uh, but yeah, Tripwire. Tripwire. And what happened with their guy who got pushed out? I'm not saying it was right or wrong. It's just the idea of at the end of the day, if you're a company and you want to retain true autonomy, you can only do so by remaining a truly independent. <laughs> entity. Yeah, don't get bought. So, or don't lie to let, yourself. Yeah, or don't lie to yourself. You know, if this entire thing was just there without saying, yeah, but they're going to let us keep doing things the way we think they should be done. No, no, they won't. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and bet you cannot say Hong Kong is an independent country in the new Techland game. So, <laughs> 100% guarantee you that you cannot. Um, but that's the reality of it. So, Chris, you were a big Dying Light 1 fan. Dying Light mm-hmm. 2 somehow came out and did not land for you. Good example of what we've been talking about for a while, this idea of time and place, maybe. Or maybe it's just not as good of a game. But what's your thought Both. here? What's your thought on <laughs> What's your thought on uh, their new IP and how this Tencent thing ends up playing into that? Do you think it was necessary because of Dying Light 2 underperforming? Or do you think this was just always bound to happen because of the, uh, the landscape we're in? It's probably, I think it's probably a little of column A and column B. Um, I, my biggest thing here is just shock that no one else... Like, how is Sony and Microsoft not looking at these same studios? Cause, and the thing is, like, yeah, it's always possible that they don't know and they're, they're blindsided by this. But there's, there is room for them to come in. Like, when EA and... I think it was Sega, no, 2K, when they had that bidding war over Codemasters. You remember? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. 2K bought them and then EA upped the offer, right? Like you would think, uh, and again, it's it's a lot of this is just trepidation because it's, it's Tencent, right? But this Techland is a studio that I feel like could help Sony with their portfolio, could help Microsoft with their Game Pass initiatives. So it kind of shocks me that they don't jump in at an opportunity like this. But who knows? Maybe they wanted to be owned by Tencent. I don't know. You know, outside of the 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 worries that we have, like Tencent makes great games and they work with great studios. So we can be wary of them, but I'm sure there's prestige to work to going there. You know? And there's I would- probably a lot of money. <laughs> That's the final answer. You know, looking at this with uh, the Sony thing, I I see the thought process that you're coming from, but then I also look at it and think, if Dying Light 2 had come out and had been an, as strong a performer as Dying Light 1 was, mm-hmm. and they had kept that level of reputation that they once had, I think that there's a different story of Sony maybe looking at them as more valuable. But then you start to actually think about what you're buying when you buy something like Codemasters versus what you're buying when you buy someone like Techland. And Codemasters has a wealth of IP. They had a wealth of studios. They have a lot of expertise in one very particular style of game that is kind of evergreen. You know racing games stay around will always make money, even if they don't necessarily get as much recognition as a lot of other types of games do. Uh, at least in the, the way that games are marketed 
as an, as an entire industry, racing games kind of get a secondary shaft there, it seems a bit. Um, but all that to say, buying Techland is buying, you know, two teams with one IP that has, is, that is one for one, you know, technically you could say it's two and oh, they're both, they both probably sold well enough. But the well, reality the is, is that well, yeah. one is beloved. It's kind of like Sony wanting to buy CD Projekt Red and being more interested in them after The Witcher 3 versus after Cyberpunk. Even if we love Cyberpunk, the reality of it is, is that it makes more sense at a certain point in time. But at that point in time, acquisition wasn't the same thing as it is now. Yeah, but I think for the record, Dying Light 2 sold $5 million. And Dying Light One sold twenty, so it's not there are no mm-hmm. slouches. I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say they sold soft. Five million is definitely less than than twenty, so I would say it did sell softer. But um, well, but think of this: just a a twenty millions across years and years and years of Dying 100%, Light. But yeah. also, when you sell twenty million of Dying Light uh, and you build that up. You, the budget probably adjusted as they thought, oh yeah, this game sold 20 million. We're going to have this game selling 10 million even quicker. And that's clearly not panned out. Yeah, maybe. But go ahead. Um, I don't know. I guess my point is that at a certain point, we're going to get to an area where it's the number of teams matter. And Xbox is becoming the home of the WRPG. And even if... I guess that would count as a WRPG. Yeah. In your mind. Well, not dying late, but they they're saying that they're making a fantasy RPG. So, yeah. you know, even just hey, let's put this in our staple because you got to imagine a studio like this is not in the billions, right? So, yeah, it just imagine. seems it just seems like a missed opportunity. I not guess the other opportunity as, is that Tencent hasn't bought them; they've just become majority stakeholder, which is a little sure. Different. But Sony's not going to now pony up or billion yes. dollars. Microsoft, You're right. for all we know, might. But <laughs> effectually, they've been bought. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. That's why they can say they're independent because they're not owned by Tencent. They're just like mostly owned by Tencent. <laughs> you yeah. know. True. So it, it's more to me. It's an opportunity. It's it's like it's a, a missed opportunity, and it's b. It's kind of like turning my nose up and be like, ugh, you let Tencent buy them. At a certain point, like, why the fuck would Sony care? Because they love Tencent. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Tencent Me, is doing the game very from well. their <laughs> platform. So. Exactly. Uh, but you know what? We can talk about one of Sony's very smart purchases by way of Insomniac, as it would appear that Sony's juggernaut studio, Insomniac, is working on a third unannounced game. In an old interview with Full Sail University, Aaron Eberhardt claimed that he was, she rather, was heading an unannounced game for the studio beyond Wolverine and Spider-Man 2. Rumors have been swirling for a while that the studio was working on a multiplayer game, which was seemingly confirmed by job listings. Eberhardt joined the studio after stints working on PS Now and Blizzard's eSports initiative. Her hiring came after the job listing was posted, so it wouldn't be a fantastic stretch to think this may be the title she is working on. So... Something to note here, we've known for a long time since my since Insomniac's been bought that they were a three-team studio. The question has always been, what is the size of the third team? 
It's always kind of been up in the air. And how much of that was considered the VR team that was working alongside the games that they were making with Sony before Sony ever purchased them. So there's a lot going on there. But this is not too surprising. What I've heard that I'm curious to get your opinion on, Chris, is I've seen some people view this and say, why would Sony have Insomniac? I guess what's happening is they're assuming this is Sony forcing this on Insomniac. So with that in mind, why would Sony make Insomniac make a multiplayer game when they're known for single player games? Do you have an immediate thought to that line of thought, you know, that line of thinking as to whether you agree, disagree or the probably more clear answer that Insomniac has made a lot of different style of games Insomniac, <laughs> in a long history. Insomniac probably wants to make it. I don't know why it goes straight to oh, Sony made them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think here's the thing, right? Nobody wants to hear this, but I'm just going to be the one to say it. Insomniac is the Marvel studio. So they have or access. Or at least they're fast becoming it. I mean, it's pretty clear because the rumor about this game is that it is also a Marvel property. So it's very clear that Sony is re- leveraging that relationship and Insomniac is the team who wants to do it. Because let's not let's not forget, Inso- Insomniac got to choose what they did. Insomniac chose Spider-Man. They could have done a Deadpool game. They could have done anything they wanted. And they went with Spidey. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing here is, like, if I'm Insomniac and I know I can make... A, we're, we're the Marvel guys for Sony. We can make whatever we want. Let's make a Fantastic Four game. Let's make a Defenders game. You know what I mean? Let's make a Spider-Man co-op game. You know what I mean? There's tons. There's so many possibilities with this. For all we know, people are talking about, oh, how are we going to get Spider-Gwen? The, what if the end of Spider-Man 2 is the multiverse opens up and then we get Spider-Man 3 and we get, I don't know, Insomniacs be, uh, across the Spider-Verse video game. Like All of these are possibilities because of where what the, the the license they work with. Just as it's a possibility as we get an X-Men game. We can go anywhere with all of this stuff. So, you know, multiplayer to me, coming from them, it's it screams a Marvel game and it screams a four player co-op game. Four player co-op live service game. That worked out great for the last guys who tried to do it, but this is Insomniac, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I did not see the part of the rumor in stating that it was a Marvel game. It wouldn't surprise me if it were, but I think my first thought process is regardless of what type of game it is, uh, Insomniac have been known for making some of the most beloved multiplayer games on PlayStation's consoles. Uh, And they've, of course, had run-ins with other ones like Fuse. um, And you can see clearly elements that can be worked in on almost all their games into a multiplayer standpoint. So Mm -hmm. with all that in mind, the point being... It's not really abnormal to say they're making a multiplayer game. In many ways, they've made multiple multiplayer games. And like Chris has clearly stated, multiplayer means a lot of things. It just means more than one person plays the game. It does not give you a type of idea about whether the game is story-focused or not, how the game presents itself in multiplayer, if it's entirely competitive or if it's cooperative. This is interesting. It doesn't surprise me, but it also strikes me as a smaller studio endeavor. Mm -hmm. But that's... That might actually be wrong thinking because as much as we know that big single-player games take a lot of development, we also know that Call of Duty and Warzone takes a lot of developers and a lot of studios that wants to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you kind of question yourself, like, 
do the multiplayer games inherently mean smaller teams or are, are these teams and budgets that are somewhat similar to what we see from single player just being used in a type of game that's typically going to give you better long form return of investment? Yeah. Um, well, and here's that's, the a, thing, right? that's a question that remains to be seen. Insomniac, the guys behind Ratchet and Clank, think of them doing a a multiplayer first person shooter, but you're shield members. And then hey, there you go. We've been R and Ding all these crazy weapons. And it's you know what I mean? There's tons of interesting possibilities that that could go into it. I actually like that idea. I would be down. Think of the the call the call of duty the Jesus Christ the Call of Duty Killer is a freaking uh, Agents of Shield video game. Who knows? By by Insomniac would be crazy. Who knows? My own hopes for Insomniac and all of I mean Insomniac is very specific because of what we're seeing coming from them. I hope they do they don't just become a Marvel and occasional Ratchet and Clank studio. I'd like to see them get to continue making new IP and doing something interesting. Uh, but as long as they're enjoying themselves right now and they want to make Marvel games, mm-hmm. if that's what they want to keep doing, that's cool. I'm so but I'd curious also if, like to see this be something completely new. Yeah. I'm so curious. Or even something to dig back into your past. Go ahead. If we're ever going to see a Sunset Overdrive, because they, they re upped that trademark, they own it. Are we going to get it? Game is, the next game is a Sunset Overdrive game that is uh, stylistically like that, but also the way the gameplay works out is kind of like uh, Splatoon. So, Foam Stars is what you're saying. But better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be done. Put it on Xbox. Grow the market, you know? Grow the business. I, I say that kind of jokingly, but I mean, realistically speaking, there's a pretty easy way to make it to where you... I mean, you can make a... Honestly, it's it, Fuse wasn't... If I'm not mistaken, Fuse was kind of like an Overwatch-style game. It was, yeah. Okay. I could also see you just, instead of trying to make it more serious like Fuse, make a Sunset Overdrive Overwatch game. And that actually makes a ton of sense. Stylistically, <laughs> a game's got a lot of uh, visual flair and a lot of interesting yeah. ideas built into the world that gives you ample room to play around with, both in mechanics, weapons, and all, everything. So, Make a multiverse Punisher game <clears throat> that's a hero shooter. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> All right, let's see. Next piece of news here. Uh, One-time Xbox exclusive High on Life has made its way over to PlayStation consoles. The game Shadow dropped with a price tag of $59.99 on the store and unlike on Microsoft's ecosystem, did not launch into a PlayStation Plus tier. Uh, So the only way to gain access to the Justin Roiland produced game is to shell out the $60. The game received middling reviews on Xbox, garnering a 67% on Metacritic. So for some, that $60 price point is a bit abusive, something Royland and his studio allegedly know a lot about. <laughs> Damn, Chris. I don't think you should do all of Squanch. Well, they but, sued the know, studio, so... <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Squatch Games and Royland uh, parted ways in January due to his uh, sexual harassment, discrimination, and wrongful termination. It is important to note that these charges were dropped due to insufficient evidence in March. Recently, Xbox took to announcing High on Knife, a paid DLC for High on Life, would be coming soon to the game. Royland's involvement in the DLC remains unknown, and it could potentially be the first test for the studio without Royland. The DLC, however, however, was not yet announced for PlayStation players. Um, so a couple things to be said here. High on Life does look like a fun game, and it does look funny. $60 is a bit of a high price point for me personally. <laughs> it's, 
I was blown away that it was that this, expensive. This looks like a, what would have used to have been a $40 game. Yeah. So now should be a $50 max game. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of, now, clearly, they were smart enough to not go 70 <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just because you open the door to, well, how do you compare this to other $70 games? Right. And that's a hard thing. You know, th- their games have all been fun. I like the Counting Plus and Trover Saves the Universe. Uh, they're an interesting group of people. Um, I don't know anything about what Roland's done. I'm a big thing of right now. I'm just going to choose to not worry about it because it's, nothing's been proven. And until I hear otherwise, if I enjoy something he's involved in, I'm just going to enjoy it guilt free until I know he's a bad person. And then we can re <laughs> we can reimagine or re, you know. So for now, I am interested in this, but this is a catch on sale for $40 or less type of game for me. 100%. Or if I'm just really flush with PlayStation reward points and I don't have anything <laughs> going on. But that's, I got other. I got other opportunities for that. Yeah, you know, I went I to did buy notice it. that the the store, the video they put out for this that talks about all the voice talent and everything in it, completely chose to completely avoid Royland. They would well, that, not put it anywhere, yeah. and that is kind of funny. I was very much in my context bag on this piece of news, but I also thought it was important to note, like they're not making this without with him, and there's a lot of issues around this game, but. I don't know. I played this on Xbox. I liked it on Xbox. But when I saw $60, I laughed and turned my phone off. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was going high. to buy it. But, like, I thought it was going to be 20 bucks. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe that's rude. But I was I shocked knew, when I saw There's 60. no way it was going to be 20 Uh So what price do you think you'd have to see it at for... Like, say, say you can go back and you can rewind and you can think this all through again. If you had opened your phone and it said blank price, you would have bought it. What would that price be? 40 You would have gotten 40? me to go, I'll wait till a paycheck comes through. And I'm more... You know what I mean? That's exactly where I'm at with it. Forty dollars would have seemed perfect for it, uh, but you know, maybe yeah, that Game Pass it, money didn't go far enough. Maybe. <laughs> and here's the thing: like, like I, I noted in the news, like I'm kind of shocked it wasn't like a. It's on PS Plus now. Like here you go. Like that's the the real answer because I've played it, so I know it's not phenomenal. It's fun and it's funny, and I would like to finish it, but I'm not. I don't think I'm ever paying for it. But. It gives me Oddworld Stranger's Wrath vibes, and I love that game, and I love yeah. how quirky and weird that game is. And clearly, it's a far more um, adult humor is probably not the word to say. It's just raunchy humor um, oriented game, and I can see you know that kind of started that conversation around annoying dialogue in games because the gun just never shuts the fuck up. I just and that's just like what's your style of comedy? And I just do don't get like? the shtick. Like I, I, that's that's the thing I don't get. It's like oh. You shot him. Oh, uh, you, you shot the kid. That was a, that was a child, and we've shot the child. And look, oh no, we gave you an achievement for killing the kid. Oh no, aren't we so like? I don't get. That's not funny to me. Like I don't understand like why it's funny. Like because the thing is, shooting the kid and the gun just going. Oh, you shot the kid. That would have been way funnier to me than what they do. And it's and so, that, it's that kind of humor that I don't like. Rick and have Morty. You, like none. Have of you this. watched? I think you should leave. I think you should leave. It's phenomenal. So whether or not it excels in the same way, the best way I can describe it to anyone listening who may be asking themselves the same question as what you just did is there's been plenty of times where on, I think you should leave where they, the joke lands 
And then they keep going, and I'm kind of like, you don't really need to keep going. But then it keeps going long enough that it swings back around. You're like, all right, fuck, that's funny. And yeah, I think but, that's what they're going for, right? Because it's, it's absurdist. Yeah. I always think the, the skit that makes me think this the most the, from I Think You Should Leave that I've seen is the hot dog car sketch <laughs> to where <laughs> you gotta find that guy. <laughs> I always thought in my head that the first time I watched the skit, I felt like it should have ended whenever they go, that guy's dressed in hot dog too. And it's a guy in like a yellow suit with a red tie. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and I always thought that that's like the perfect end for that skit. But as you keep watching that skit and it keeps going on, it's so drawn out and it's so ridiculous that by the end of it, it just it swings back around to being funny again. And you're kind of like, all right. And sometimes that works for the Rick and Morty style stuff, and sometimes it doesn't. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but I at least understand the attempt. Absurdist humor is kind of hard, you know? I, yeah, and first off, I think you should leave. The worst thing about I think you should leave is now everybody else on the internet thinks they can they can do his his type of comedy, and it's it's awful. It's 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 a it's a curse. But for that, I think it's a lot of the physicality that makes it funny, like the whoopee cushion joke. The Whoopi Cushion skit is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because it keeps going and it keeps getting more beat red. And it's just, can I go home and lay down and watch some TV so I'm not beat red for my family photo tonight? That shit is fucking hilarious. I told, Are you going to take uh, the batter back into my penis? Saul was talking to me about the show. He said someone at work had mentioned it. He couldn't remember the name, but he's like, it's like a show on Netflix. And I don't know why in my mind I was like, he's got to be talking about it. I think you should leave. And he's like, yeah. And I told him, I said, you should watch. He's like, should I watch it? I was like, it's funny. You should watch the first episode. I like the very first skit of the entire show is short, surprisingly. But it goes on way longer than it needs to as the idea of the skit. But it's so funny because of it. You know, the, the door skit? Yeah, I love that one. Or the, it's the so plumbers. Good. They replaced your toilet with a toilet with <laughs> a small... Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can stop uh, talking about I Think You Should Leave, but it's an interesting show. You should check it out if you haven't. I think you should move uh, on to the next piece I love, I love sketch mm. comedy. The last thing I'll say about sketch comedy... Saul was like, is it like Whitest Kids You Know? And I said, it is in that it's funny and, and I enjoy it. And I think it has some really funny ideas. But I was like, the difference is, is that I think you should leave has budget. And mm-hmm. Whitest Kids You Know did not have budget. But also, most of the time, I always thought Whitest Kids You Know was even funnier because of the lack of budget. Yeah. I, that's hard to describe, but sometimes <clears throat> things look so bad that it just makes the joke even funnier. And yeah. you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's go. <laughs> So, moving on to the next piece of news, and I think it ties back into that last one pretty well where you're talking about why didn't it just hit PlayStation Plus day one. Um, We have August PS Plus is coming out swinging with indie RPG Sea of Stars launching on the service day and date. The game is Sabotage Studios' follow-up to NES-styled action platformer The Messenger. Sea of Stars releases on August 29th into Game Pass and PS Plus and will seemingly cost $35 a la carte as it does on Switch. This is the first time that we have had a game release day and date on both subscription services. <clears throat> and it's interesting to see. Before, you kind of always like, is it going to be that one person pays more? So I, not that we will get to, but I'd really love to see the business behind this and how this happened. Uh Clearly, it, neither of them came with exclusivity clauses. 
Mm-hmm. So you partially assume that both people paid less money by saying, fine, we'll let you release it on the other. And that might be what the developer wanted, but this is very interesting. Yeah, see. I mean, they game do specifically good. say, we're glad that almost everyone can play our game. Yeah. Um, Man, this goes into that long-running conversation of when you're making a game, and kind of like I talked about earlier with motivations being different, um, when you're making a game like that, and you're making it at that level, and you're kind of the next thing really for you is just making sure that you still have a job after this game. Like you could still keep making games because that's what you've dedicated your life to and has become your financial, uh, you know, it's what holds you down financially. I can kind of understand the want for this. Uh, And you hope that when a game does this, that it ends up at least getting the uh, Rocket League treatment of coming out on a subscription service but then also going on to sell so many copies that you can just one day be like, yeah, fuck it, free to play, and also still give us your money from <laughs> microtransactions. Yeah. Um, but you don't see that happen every day. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think this is going to end up playing out well for them? Or do you think this could stop them from having a situation where they get that kind of, um, they get that kind of Stardew Valley treatment of like overnight you're suddenly just rolling in no, cash because everybody's buying your game? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it'll benefit. It's definitely going to benefit from eyes, but whether it benefits the studio monetarily is something we can never know because we don't know the details of that contract, right? But sure, well, it is still available a la carte. Yeah, it is, but at a certain point, like the barrier to entry to free, the thing, like the big thing with this, and why I'm, I'm surprised they do it sometimes is. You can go, oh, I can pay $9.99 for this month of PS Plus Extra, or I can pay $35 for the game. You know, And a lot of people, the calculus is, I'm going to pay the $9.99, and maybe I'll buy it on sale down the line, but I'll have finished it in a month. So that Delta, uh, that Delta is not as big as it is for some games, because $9.99... Twelve ninety nine because actually the Game Pass price is about to go up. So, but still, let's let's use eleven dollars, right? Ten ninety nine. We'll use ten ninety nine as a good middle ground for both yeah. services, more or less. Um, if you look at this, ten ninety nine versus thirty five dollars, that delta is not so large that I can't see myself if I just think the game looks good, wanting to go ahead and say if I don't want that service for any other reason, I can go ahead and buy the game and it's not bad. But it's a lot harder to look at a game that you want to play that would be hitting a service that you don't have to where you go, hmm, 1099 for you know to be able to play it or 6999. That's a much bigger gap. Oh, for sure. And that delta but... is a lot harder to cross. Um but you know flip question on here because you you say we don't know how well the game will do or how well it'll be for the game in terms of uh drawing people in from a monetary standpoint for the studios. But we do kind of I think you can more closely say to your at least look at this and say do you think this is the type of game that will bring people to these services who have not already been on the services or do you think this is just another one of those people who are already on the service are getting to continue to eat well? Um, I think the problem with a game like this in terms of that is this is a retro style RPG from an indie studio, you know, and that's not this, there's nothing that's not taking anything away from the game, but I think it does take a little bit away from that mass market appeal of it. You know, if you were looking at 
I don't know, maybe a Call of Duty or a first-person shooter that, or something a little bit more recognizable. But I don't know how many people outside of the niche of, let's say, hardcore gamers, right, are looking at a Chrono Trigger-inspired RPG in 2023 and going, oh, I got to get me some PlayStation Plus, you know? I think your bigger hope for this, and which is why I keep advocating for an initiative to make smaller games, is you get someone to try this one and love it and see a stream of stuff like this coming and go, I guess I'll keep my subscription. I think this is more of a game that will get people to keep their prescription to keep their subscription, but not necessarily buy a subscription. I get that. And you've, you actually answered my follow-up question, depending on what your answer was, which is <laughs> if you don't think that this is the type of game that draws people to the service, then why do you think it's a good idea that these types of games and maybe this game doesn't qualify as to what you were thinking about when we're talking about the PS Plus initiative of smaller games. This is exactly um, what I was thinking about for the record. <clears throat> yeah, it's exactly kind of what... Now, of course, not all games being that, but lower budget, smaller games that are inspired by classic games to some degree uh, that you can do more with less in a sense. Um, yeah, so something yeah, that doesn't cost $212 million like The Last of Us. You mm-hmm. know, I would imagine a studio like Sony with more resources and more expertise can pump out games like this in a year, six months, two years, depending on the quality bar they're looking for, and then spend $10 million, right? Yeah. And even if you retain 10% of your user base off $10 million, that's pretty fucking good. You know? You're right. And then you keep putting Flip those to out. This, though, Flip side to this, to be to look at it, do you think that one of the hidden... Uh, downsides to this might be, and I think I have a feeling of my own answer, but do you think Sony or Microsoft going towards trying to make these smaller games at that level will do a disservice to indie games and actually end up making the competition in the indie game space harder because now they're having to actually contend with non-independent entities making similar style, scoped, and scaled games. Like, the no. big benefit right now for indies is that they're making games that are cheaper and smaller that are inherently different from what most of the AAA, not even if you look at AAA, but most of the um, most of the publisher arms are actually putting out themselves. Well, that depends like you have on... Ubisoft with the UbiArt games, but right. that's about it. the only other ones you can think Fantastic of. Fantastic-looking Prince of Persia game. Um, no, I think that's kind of a, a little bit of a false dichotomy, Right. Because we're just talking about tiers of developers here. And it's, it's, it sounds bad, but I think you you know what I mean, right? Like Lily Mo, right? Colin Moriarty Studio, right? Mm-hmm. Is below this studio, right? And this sure. studio is below Team Cherry. And then Team Cherry is below Supergiant. And then Supergiant is below Larian. You know what I mean? All those are independent studios all making indie games, right? But... Well, I don't. I, I don't think it necessarily would harm them for Sony to be making those same style of games, because we're still talking about that tier, right? The Lilymo tier of nine ninety nine or nine dollar ninety nine games, you know, for a, a couple hours of your time will always exist, and those will always have a, a viable place in the community. Whether it's people who just want to play a game on the weekend or 
I really want. I really need to get a, a quick platinum for this platinum competition, so I'm going to buy this nine this nine dollar nine dollar game, right? And then you go up to something like Sea of Stars, where I think it becomes a matter of quality, sure, right? And then it become it becomes there, but then you go all the way up to Larian, who, for all intents and purposes, is making a game that you would expect to come out of a a big publisher, right? And it's not; it's coming out of an indie publisher, so. <clears throat> In the end, I think it's just a matter of the cream rising to the top, right? And if Sony is doing this by their own, then Sea of Stars has to look just as good. The The problem might come in a scenario like this where Sony's like, well, we just put our Chrono Trigger-inspired JRPG on PS Plus, so we're not going to put um, Sea of Stars on PS Plus. You know, that's where I think you have the issue. But for me personally... The, the way I've always envisioned this, Sony would be buying Sabotage to do this. So in the end, that's just a tide raising boats, right? Like if Sony buys a section of the indie space, yeah, the indie space goes away because it's no longer they're no longer indie games. But like I said earlier, the genre of indie still exists, right? I yeah. hope that made sense. I think I did. No, I, yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> All right. Interesting viewpoint. Moving along to the next piece of news. Uh, we talked about it in the cold open, uh, or actually in the uh, open before we got into the community's take, but Sony's handheld streaming device, again, codenamed Project Q currently, has seemingly leaked into the wild. A video shows the device being used, indicating touchscreen capabilities, as anybody would have guessed. The device also appears to run on Android, an OS Sony is familiar with as their line of mobile phones runs on Android. This device is almost literally a DualSense controller cut in half with a screen in the center. Um, so it actually showed it kind of moving through the menu system and everything. It was not a really in-depth look at anything, but I think it gives everyone at least a slightly better idea as to what to expect. The unfortunate side is that it doesn't it doesn't really answer questions as to what level can it play to play games on its own? At what level can it operate completely independently as a device, even when not connected to a PlayStation 5? And why would you want to do that? And not that the answer for that has to be yes or any of that. It's just right now we don't know. Uh, and since price is also somewhere in this rumored thing where it's it's rumored to be under two ninety nine, that's a lot of room. Does that mean one fifty? Does that mean one ninety nine? Does that mean two thirty? Does that mean you know? There's a lot of room there, but I think the higher that that price goes up, and you start to say, well, Project Q is going to be two hundred and twenty nine dollars. Okay, well then, what the hell can it do besides just you know remote play connecting to my PlayStation Five? And that is a good question because otherwise. Me as an individual, I don't, I don't know that I see the value in no matter what. I don't know that I would use it. I, I might get it. I might not. We'll see. But I think the price plays a much bigger part there because in my mind, I can just mod my Vita to allow me to remote play PS5. Not perfectly. It's not up and running exactly. It's a port of an Android uh, thing that's coming to Vita, but it is there and it could get better. And I'd just rather be like, I, even then I can play my Vita even when I don't have Wi-Fi and, my, and all these different things. So it becomes a big ask. The more it costs, what more can it do outside of just being that? Uh, Chris, did this do anything for you? <coughs> I, mean, did, I know the device isn't necessarily very, very pretty, but do you see yourself potentially getting one of these if the the features and cards are right? Entirely about price. 
if this is something that I can, I don't even know at that level because in my head, if this is something where I can throw suits on my TV or throw something on the TV and sit on my couch and still play, I could, I would consider that. But it's such a niche thing that if I really need to do that at, at that point, I just might as well use my phone. <laughs> you know, so I don't really see the need for this. I don't understand it. Um, knowing me because it's a cool piece of PlayStation tech, maybe I'll buy it. But the reality is there's there's, there's not going to be any downloading games. It's only going to be streaming. So the use cases I do have, which is I'm at work and I got nothing to do. Let me pop on and play some Sea of Stars. That's, it's not a realistic use case. So what's the point? <laughs> yeah, and you know, there was a conversation going online where a lot of people... Uh, we're under the impression that remote play device meant that you could only connect when you're at home, um, which is not true. It does mean that as long as you have Wi-Fi, you can, or at least feature-wise, the way that remote play works is that as long as you have Wi-Fi and a device that allows you to remote play, you can turn your PlayStation on via wi- uh, via remote play on a Wi-Fi connection completely away. It doesn't always work that well, but it is something, or you know what I mean, the... The quality is dependent on a lot of different factors. Um, but yeah, cost is everything here. Because like you said, if I can throw a game like Dead Cells or something on, and not that I play Dead Cells a lot, but if I can play that style of game while Yu-Gi-Oh! is on my TV or something my wife wants to watch and I can still get some gaming done that's kind of in the background, cool. I actually wouldn't mind that. But there's a price at where that starts to matter less and less to me. I will probably still eventually end up buying it as I do almost every piece of Sony tech because I think that they're interesting. Uh, I almost bought, um, whenever they were $50, the PS TVs, the little Vita TVs they came out with and didn't, and I regret it every day. <laughs> um, and much like Chris has his weird little free still in the box uh, Google Stadia, you know, it's like it's pointless now, but it's kind of cool to own. Just you can look at, like, here we are, weird piece of gaming history. You're still muted, Chris. Um, let me get that backlit on my shelf. I mean, why not? Honestly, That's gaming I think history. I, would, I I was about to say, I would kind of like to have a shelf that's like a Dreamcast, a Stadia, and an Ouya just lit up backlit and have it just like Saturn. a failed consoles thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a Saturn, a 3DO, and a Virtual Boy just all stacked up. That would kind of be sick, though. That would, would be, be a sick. really cool shelf. Of like, hey, this is just an interesting look at things that did not work the way that anybody anticipated. Right, a Pippin. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. Yeah, I will crazy. say there's one thing that we don't know about this that could change my perspective entirely. What is it? If that? this has any onboard storage at all, because it runs on Android, I could install emulators, and this could be the definitive way to play Pokemon through an emulator. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right. The problem with that is, even though it's running Android, what is the actual tech inside? Because for you to run emulators, you still have to have a relatively decent, regardless of onboard storage, you have to have a relatively decent processor in there to be able to run a decent. Like Pokemon's pretty easy, but you know, if you want, if you really want it to be an emulator house, you got to have a little, a little bit of beef, not a lot. Yeah, a little. But again, this is my specific bar use case to reach. And so. I'm I'm saying if I can play Pokemon Crystal on it, I'm super into it. <laughs> so 
Well, if uh, Sony and gaming in general has taught you anything, once it's out there and it's on an open source uh, platform like Android, mm-hmm. whether Sony wants it to do that or not, someone will make <laughs> it happen. Oh, absolutely. I Somehow, will be playing Pokemon somewhere. on it in the first two weeks. <laughs> Just about the only thing they could really do is not have any way to put onboards. Like, don't have onboard storage outside of what it takes for the um, the OS. The OS. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that would be pretty interesting to see. Um, and then, of course, not let anybody put their own storage in. Because the question is, why would you need to? If all it's supposed to do is remote play. But moving on to the <laughs> next piece of news, we got just a couple left. The leaks of Mortal Kombat 1's combat pass were confirmed in a recent trailer. The characters will be Quan Chi, Omni-Man, Ermac, Peacemaker, Takeda, and Homelander. Homelander. Um, Takeda, Takeda, or whatever, sounds very familiar, but why is it not actually landing in my mind? Oh, <clears throat> okay. I got gotcha. you. Mortal Kombat 10. I would say I knew the name, but I fell off of Mortal Kombat 10 so hard that it didn't land for me. Quan Chi and Ermac are pretty cool. It is interesting having them. I get it, but it's interesting having the fight past characters be Mortal Kombat characters. That feels like where you'd want it to be non Mortal Kombat characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is cool. I'm a big Ermac fan, a little bum that he's not in the game day one. But as I've talked about, I'm probably not going to buy this, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, you'll play it because I'll buy it. I love Mission <laughs> Mortal Kombat. There we go. We do have a question that kind of ties pretty interestingly into this. Um, what? So there's kind of a number of questions in here. I'm going to do this one first, and we'll save the other part for later. Uh, no Fate, one of our longtime listeners, patrons, he says, is the games industry on a path of no return by tarnishing itself with the likes of subscription services, etc.? For example, many Mortal Kombat games have come to PS Plus and always releases a complete edition at a later date. So why buy day one? This ties into that of looking at this and saying, well, down the line, there'll be a complete edition and some version of the game as you can buy day one with just those characters will likely hit subscription services in a relatively reasonable timeline. So at what point does the gaming populace start to go? And I'll just wait. It's a version of the same argument people have been talking about of the some one of the fears or, or worries of Game Pass is that people will see a game and go, I'll wait for it to hit Game Pass. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think of that? What do you take of it? Um, honestly, this specifically, like, I, I it it's very specific on the genre, but I think you buy something like Mortal Kombat on day one because you want to be good with the characters, right? Like, you're not getting a complete edition for a year. You, so if you want to take Mortal Kombat seriously at all as a player, not in terms of story, you can play the story whenever the hell you want. But in terms of playing online and being in the zeitgeist of Mortal Kombat 1, you got to buy it on day one. That's just the reality of being a fighting game player. You have to learn the characters. You have to learn the new sets. So that's why you would buy something like this on day one. Like, yeah, maybe you should have waited for Cyberpunk until Phantom Liberty, but I don't think we're talking about the same things here. 
That's a fair point. They're very different style of games. What I was going to say, and it's technically true with Cyberpunk, but not in a way that I think is normally something that people are fond about. Uh, fighting games and games that are inherently tied to some level of competitive online play. Um, I think the reason to buy day, day one for that type of game, so maybe it was a poor example, no fate, but um, I think that kind of game, the reason you buy day one is because you want to play the game and evolve with the game. You want to be there as they nerf certain characters' moves and certain combos and buff other ones and introduce new characters and new combos and the meta changes online because new characters means different people are playing different ways and new combos are coming into play. And you want that for lack of a better term for it right now, you want that game that does feel like a live service that's ever evolving and changing. And that's been the case on Mortal Kombat well before live service game was even a known moniker that we went by. Um, that's been a thing for fighting games in general. And that's not normally the way I play them. So you ask someone like me, why buy Mortal Kombat day one? Yeah, why buy, <laughs> why buy it day one? Unless you just really want to play it at that point in time. I love Mortal Kombat 9 and bought it day one. Uh, but I never felt like I really needed... After I bought 10 day one and kind of fell off of it, I was like, yeah, I don't need to buy Mortal Kombat games day one. Yeah, I don't care. I play them for the story and the, having a good time with the characters and playing them, and then I put them down. But that's not what most fighting game enthusiasts are doing. Um, though I guess that question becomes, who makes up the majority of fighting game sales? Is it enthusiasts or casuals? And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, enthusiasts keep the game alive for sure. Right. I think, listen, I think the reality is everyone on day one is an enthusiast. So let's reframe the question without Mortal Kombat, right? Let's just go any game because of subscription services and the idea that they one day could hit a subscription service. Why buy any game day one? And I think the answer doesn't change much. It's because you want to be part of the zeitgeist of what's going on. You want to play what's new in the industry and see what the industry is doing. You want to be able to discuss with people how this game changes something in industry and why the industry should either avoid or embrace that change. That's it. And you don't have to be that player. Uh, you know, Saul and I used to always talk about the idea of being a patient gamer. Um, and that's still more true than ever. And I honestly find myself doing that a lot lately. So with that in mind, being a patient gamer is a good thing. You don't have to buy Cyberpunk Day 1. But if you do, you can play it, see what it was. You can play it and see what it becomes whenever the Phantom Liberty patch hits and the game is arguably to some maybe how it should have been at launch. But you get to understand that evolution. You got to be part of the conversation about why cyberpunk's launch wasn't what it should be and how the gaming mm -hmm. industry should not make that a standard despite the game having redeeming qualities that's why you buy day one but if you don't want to that's fine and you can play a much better version of most games if you just wait until farther down the line but you you miss an incredibly important to some aspect of gaming which is the ability to talk about it in a timely manner with other people yep i have no notes all right, let's see. Last piece of news we have here at SDCC, so San Diego Comic-Con. Sony showed off a new story trailer for Spider-Man 2 featuring Venom, a new haircut for Miles, and a new face for MJ. They took the opportunity to announce multiple limited edition 
items including are coming for the game's release, including a PS5 bundle featuring a red plate being overcome by Symbio under a spider logo or around a spider logo. Also releasing is a Spider-Man designed DualSense. They continued by announcing that the face plates and the, on the special edition console and the controller would both be available for purchase separately. This is good because while we've seen games get them after the fact, kind of like the Hogwarts and the Final Fantasy stuff that was kind of beforehand, but it was region specific for Final Fantasy 16. This is the first real indicator of Sony making a limited edition console yep. and saying, hey, you can buy the console with these things <clears throat> on it. But if you already own a PlayStation, you can also buy these sets here and here. Don't know prices yet. Pre-orders do go up for them on Friday. So that is what the 28th. Yeah. Uh, if you want to Try and grab one of those in case you're worried that they won't keep stock. Pre-orders for the plates and controller will go up. And, of course, pre-orders for the limited edition PlayStation 5. But for the first time, I will be able to get these without having to get an entirely new system for no reason. <laughs> uh, so that's that's pretty sweet. Um, unfortunately, I do think this looks good. It does look cool. Unfortunately, as always is the case, I saw multiple designs earlier in the day before that of people leaking what they thought was, you know, people leaking. This is the mm. Spider-Man controller and plates. And they all looked way better than what Sony officially came out with. And I still have to continue my thought process of being a little disappointed that Sony's special edition consoles are always just flat designs printed flatly onto their plates. There's a part of me that goes, if this was Xbox's game and Xbox was doing Spider-Man, the tendrils would uh, you'd have the occasional tendril that would be like sunken in and another one that's like rose up to give it some three dimension and maybe you'd have like where the tendrils are reaching you'd see it like scratching into the plate and have like where you can it's you know embossed into it do you think if microsoft did it they would have it smell like peter (laughs) inside the spider suit so your ps5 just smells like ball sweat the the hotter it gets the worse it gets (laughs) No, but that does suck because while I do like it and I will get it, I continue to be surprised that Sony allows their competition, including Nintendo to some degree, to kind of just really one-up them in a lot of ways. This is a very simplistic design. Uh, It's still cool, but it wouldn't take much more to get something even cooler. And it kind of makes you go like, at what point does Sony just not care that it's like... What's so special about it? Just the fact mm. that you can only get it in a limited time? Or is it because someone thought, let's put a lot of care and thought into this and make something that's truly unique, and that's what makes it a special edition, not just its limited availability? Yeah. One of these days, <sighs> damn it. I thought they'd learned their lesson with The Last of Us 2 PS4 that, that had the embossed one. fern. That was really great yeah. looking. And that was, I was like, they're learning a lesson. Here we go. And then everything that keeps coming out, I'm like, it's all fucking flat printed. Why? <laughs> what is the problem? You can fucking emboss your PlayStation <laughs> symbols in a microscopic pattern on the back of my plates and controller, but you can't emboss. The, you can't even raise the Spider-Man logo on the console to and and so that the tendrils look like they're wrapping over it. You know how much cooler that would be? Yeah, it's true. A little bit of effort goes a long way for them. It's unfortunate, but here we are. There's always next time. <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of which, with what we know right now, which is not a lot, but with what we know right now, what do you think Sony's next limited edition, special edition console would be? 
Like, what game do you think we get that honor from what we do now? You think Wolverine? Ghosts of Tsushima. <laughs> but we don't know that game exists yet. Yeah, we do. Come on. <laughs> I mean, but not officially. I, I mean, at that point, <laughs> that's just a ridiculous question. I guess the answer is like... One of the... Honestly? Okay. One of the live service games. It's going to be fair out. games. Hear me out. They're not going to do this. But give me... You remember those those Jeeps with the wood plates? Oh, yeah. Give me that limited edition console for Concord. Maybe. Give me some some of that that wood plating, a little bit of neon coloring. Yeah. Throw a big fat I mean, cheeseburger on there. 10 out of 10 <laughs> stuff. That's really the only, those are the only two games we really know about until apparently this August showcase that keeps getting rumored that will clearly be in September when it's not in August and then it'll be in October when it's not in September. So, yeah, it's not this month, guys. Right. Plans have changed. Wrong. You know, everything I heard from the sources that I trust said August, but they did always say it could change. God, I hate well, that's, That is the perfect excuse, right? Right. Subject to change. And it's true. That's what sucks. All it, leaks, oh yeah. even when they're accurate, are subject to change. 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's the worst. But that means that the people have learned that that's the best cheat code. Because if it just never gets shown, you go, yeah, they cancel it. It's, yeah. <laughs> Look, I can say on this show that Bloodborne 2 by Bluepoint will be announced at the August showcase. But it does depend on if Sony decides to hold that showcase. Because from what I've heard, Wolverine might not be ready for August. So it might be in September or October or December. It's subject to change, though. Right. Subject to change. They might not even have a showcase, but Bloodborne 2 is there. Either way, good sign of the future that we can buy these things separately. Um, I get to I'm be excited without having to spend $500 to be excited. <laughs> I, I feel bad because my boss is very excited about this. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sell my PS5 and I'm going to transfer all my stuff over. And I didn't, I didn't know that the faceplates came with it. And I'm like, oh, just get the faceplates, man. You're fine. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like the best... We have a ironically, we have a question around this, but this is the Hannah Montana of game consoles. You get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, mine's blue. <laughs> yeah, mine's uh, cosmic red. Nice. I'm so mad I didn't get GameCube purple, but that's okay. The GameCube purple. It's I actually cool. like all of the uh, what, what they call it. The the co- was it the cosmic collection or whatever? I, I know so. it was. Yeah, all space themed things. It was. It's pretty cool. I mean, they're all at the end of the day, they're all colored plates they're not that special <laughs> but they're still cool mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah chris what you got going on there um nothing come, yeah i see i see <laughs> all right guys we are done with the news and we're gonna go ahead and move into the questions if you want to submit questions for us to answer throughout the show uh head over to our social media again that's triangle squared on twitter or x at triangle sqrd <laughs> you can find us on facebook <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Triangle Squared the PlayStation Podcast. That's a group asked to be entered in. We'll let you in. And, of course, the Discord where we have a dedicated questions uh, or announcement section where you can put your questions in whenever we put the post up calling for them. Of course, you can be part of the Community's Take where we have a dedicated Community's Take section where you can put your answers in. Or you can just go to the podcast open discussion and talk about what we've talked about in this episode and throw your thoughts in. Let us know what you think. Uh, we have a question from Pork Chops. Um, 
That is an interesting one. He says, brought on by the talks about Twisted Metal getting messed with by Polyphony uh, Digital, got me thinking, if you could bring one dormant PSIP back to life, but you can only do so by bringing it to life with one of the PS exclusive games, what mashup would be your go-to? So to better clarify what he's asking, he gives an answer of his own that I think highlights what he's asking for. So he says, mine would be the cheap answer. Insomniac Games and Spider-Man bringing Infamous back to life. So by way, he's saying that Infamous comes back by being a crossover mashup with an existing new franchise. So he he's looking at it like Polyphony Digital would have a Twisted Metal crossover mashup with Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. where you'd be playing it with that. So if that was the, the viewpoint, what existing franchise that's still getting support and we're still hearing about would you couple something else into to bring it forward is it sony specific playstation ip specific dormant playstation ip now i think i would give you enough leverage to say if the if the ip is synonymous with playstation you could you could probably go okay i'm gonna give an answer that sounds like a joke but i'm dead serious (laughs) okay i would have gorilla revive the kill zone ip in the horizon universe (laughs) It's so funny because Horizon at one point in time was played with guns oh, in really? testing. Like when they were making it, uh, early on it was it was co-op and you used guns to bring down the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of wanting to move away from guns, so they decided to go with uh, bow. And then they decided to go with an actual character instead of going co-op. <laughs> but it is interesting. There is a video you can see of them taking down a dinosaur with guns in like alpha footage. Yeah. Yeah, or I could see like SOCOM. No, I don't know what else they would. What would they put SOCOM in? SOCOM in The Last of Us. That'd be weird. Not impossible, though. No, actually, like SOCOM is just the military aspect of. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I would have Days Gone revived in Spider Man. That would be great. I think that one's possible. Yeah. Deacon gets bit by a radioactive motorcycle and becomes Lobo and flips universes. I mean, Sony was kind of already teasing this, even though John Garvin says it was just an Easter egg. It didn't really mean anything further. Bullshit. But the feeling you got from the end of Days Gone and the very specific thing was that uh, Siphon Filter was alive and well through the world of Days Gone, even though they're technically different IPs, they take place in the same world, was what was hinted yeah, at. I like uh, that. And that's kind of a fun idea. You Either. bring the Siphon Filter world forward in this. There's no reason they can't coexist. Yeah. You think we're going to get a Siphon Filter movie at this point? It kind of seems like the perfect thing, given how successful Mission Impossible is. That it, you would just go that route? It's yeah. possible. That, Tom that, that actually might Gabe be... <laughs> That might be the best use for that IP. Because <laughs> I absolutely. still don't know how that IP would perform in modern gaming. Dude, make it a Splinter Cell game. I don't know how Splinter Cell would perform in modern gaming landscape, to be honest with you. I think it would perform I well think out of nostalgia, but not necessarily. Maybe. I don't know if it'd be a good game or at least a good Splinter Cell game. I think what would happen is you'd get exactly what they kind of teased when they did the Ghost Recon Breakpoint, where they had the Sam Fisher stuff, and it would be that kind of game. It would become an open-world Ubisoft game where you go through, and at the, then it becomes a problem of, at its core, it's not really a Splinter Cell game. I guess we'll find out, because they're still remaking Splinter Cell, so... 
I'm trying to think of some cool ones. I mean, Twisted Metal we've already talked about, so I'm trying to think a little bit different. Um, Parappa the Rapper uh, (laughs) Insomniac Games. Why everything Insomniac? And what IP that Insomniac is currently working, would it be Parappa the Rapper inside of uh, a a new Ratchet and Clank game? Yes. Where they're going between dimensions. And this time, instead of it being dimensions that are similar, it's actually we're going to go across dimensions that are all PlayStation IP. Dormant PlayStation IP. Okay. Now I actually have an idea. Okay, go ahead. The next Ratchet and Clank game is a musical. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm fully in on that idea. (laughs) Like fully, 100%. Okay, I have an idea. Ratchet and Clank is still going. Yeah. And it already has the type of world in which I think this works well. Have it be that we bring Jack and Daxter back by way of a different dimension character crossover section in the next Ratchet and Clank game. I like that. Mechanically speaking, there's zero reason that doesn't work. Stylistically, humor-wise... The, the two worlds fit close enough together that you could convince me that the planet that Jack and Daxter happens on is just a planet in Ratchet's solar system. You could convince me that Jack and Daxter is just Ratchet and Clank from a different universe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of sick. No joke. I would that would like be that. really cool. If it's just that they end up, yeah, oh man. That'd be that'd be cool. Uh, trying to think of something modern that Sly Cooper would kind of nestle into in an interesting way, but I don't know if there is anything in a modern IP that PlayStation's doing that it would work well enough. Ghost of Tsushima. So, do you make it like realistic, where it's like a realistic Tanuki raccoon? Yes, <laughs> and he's breaking into Japanese houses for yes. Jin or whoever. Yeah, exactly. We find and out. he has a turtle and hippo friend. Yes, a hundred percent. But they're all photorealistic. It's like the <laughs> Disney remake of The Lion King, but it's Sly <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> and he's I don't voiced hate by it. Sylvester Stallone. I don't hate it. I was going to say Jack and Daxter in um, in Horizon would be interesting, but I don't know. I think what I'd like to see, and I actually really love this idea. I love Killzone. And there's no reason that Killzone would not work. But out of trying to do something a little different and cross certain things over, which I think is a little more fun when you take one developer's IP and move it to another developer's, uh, Resistance Uh and everything about the Chimera and the Cloven being the root of why all the stuff started happening with the tech advancement and everything mm-hmm. for Horizon. And it turns out that at the root of all this, the planet is in this because deep in its core, the Cloven and the original Chimera that we never got to see in the original game are still working. And we see them come to Earth to try and take it back over once more. And it's Aloy having to kill Chimera with... Uh, bow and arrow so you can like bow and arrow shoot their heat stacks to uh make them overheat and pop and then you start seeing really crazy almost eldritch driven like alien beings rising from the earth i think that that's cool yeah i'm i would be super into that i like that idea there's so much untapped potential lore wise within resistance that it's a shame that we don't have more like as much as i love kill zone lore wise kill zone's 
it's tapped. You'd be creating lore in order to make new kill zone games, more or less. But Resistance has lore that was never actually used outside of, did you know this interesting fact? <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Part of me wants to figure out like Starhawk can maybe some come into something. Um, Dude, Starhawk but, and Horizon uh, would be kind of perfect. Also, yeah, that works too. Yeah. Horizon's tech-focused aspect just kind of makes it easy to put in anything that's sci-fi, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've got it. Ape Escape. Horizon. That actually may be the most apt thing to just pull up in. And it w- it could just be that this new kid named Spike runs around and as he's training to be able to take down robot dinosaurs, he's taking hand-built apes that have been interconnected with the technology from a scientist and he's having to capture them in order to train to be a soldier. I like that for idea. You know, the shadow cards are some crazy shit. He gets bigger <laughs> and bigger nets as the game goes on. Did you play Call of the Mountain yet? No. I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I'm certainly interested to see if I play it. The biggest boon I can give you is that while I know you've not been in the mood to play the other Horizon and it's kind of pulled you out, it's it's very different just by nature of how the game has to be designed. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. It's on my list. I do need to try I want it. to see... I want you to experience climbing in that because it's the only reason I, w- I want Sony to continue with climbing. Scrap it out of all the rest of your games. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it anymore. The glowing ledges and painted that you have to just climb around. But doing it physically yourself, kind of like you were talking about with Pistol Whip, is incredibly cool. And like I was... I think I told you this back whenever I was doing it, but like when my body should be hanging, instead of having my hands right here climbing... I have him like where I'm like dangling my arms and I'm like moving over like I would be climbing just because it helps the immersion. It's really cool. It's fun times. I'm into it. I'll give it a shot. All right. Let's see. A couple more questions here. We have No Fate's initial question where he says, I'm still catching up on last week's episode. So this was middle of the week. Um, He says, but Chris talking about mobile games got me thinking. Do you think the mobile games industry is tarnished by the fact most games are free to play? and focused on in-game purchases, what would it take for the industry to sell a full game on mobile? You want to take this one first, Chris? Honestly, I don't know. It depends on... You have to, You can. Like a $70 game? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I'm not buying I was any about to say, what, what is a full game? And it's a really hard question. Because even if you price it adequately... I think you start to get into this problem of, and, and we've talked about this plenty of times, but the Vita's whole thing was trying to be console quality games on the go. And while the Switch does that, the Switch exists in this ability to be able to dock to a TV so it's still a, a, a console. And that way when the game starts to kind of like look good enough or if you're playing for a long time, pop it on TV and keep going. Now, while I've never done that and I was a big fan of the Vita, clearly the market as a whole proved that people do not want console size, scale, scope, quality games on the go. You want something that does have a certain level of quality but has a play style to where you can get in, have a fun succession of play and get out to where you feel like you accomplish something quickly. And to that end, I don't know that people really want to see 
full focused, at least modern ideas of games on their phones. I think the reason you see things like turn-based games excel on there is because you can hop in, do a little bit, read a little bit of story stuff, have a couple of turn-based battles, jump out, and you don't feel like you had to take a bunch of time and you got plenty done and you can go about your business. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to play Final Fantasy 16 and watch a 30-minute cutscene on your phone. You just don't. No, I don't. And then you have to think about killing your phone's battery, which makes your phone not useful for the rest of the day, which makes you wonder why you even have it to begin with. Because the real reason for a phone, while we like to use it for everything else, is to be able to still communicate. And while we use it for Twitter and Facebook and all those different things, those are to still communicate. At the end of the day, if you're just using it as a handheld, you're going to go, why don't I just have, at that level, why don't I just have a handheld? Yeah. Why don't I just play this on Switch? Uh, so I hope that answers your question. In my opinion, that's where it is. I don't want that. I want unique games that can really only make sense on a phone, like a uh, an, an ordinary lost phone. Great game. Uh, or little interesting puzzle games with perspective and stuff that you can kind of quickly do and have that dopamine hit and then move on about your business. So... Thanks. Uh, next question comes from Sweet Gran Turismo Jones, and this one's interesting. kind of ties in the last week as well. He says, I have a hypothetical question for y'all. Starfield comes out. How many copies do you think it sells? And how many copies would it need to sell for Microsoft to go, oh, shit, we need to release this on PlayStation? It's not going to sell any copies. <laughs> so zero. They're not going to release it on PlayStation. It's an interesting switch of the question. I think a lot of people would frame this as how many copies would Starfield need to not sell in order for them to go, we've got to release it on PlayStation to recoup our losses. But I like that he's going, this game is going so crazy that they go, if we can, if eventually we'll reach market share of of Xbox, but if we want to keep making this money, we've got to open it to new platforms. So how can we get this bitch on Switch? How can we get this onto PlayStation 5? Do you do you think that's I see I didn't take the question that way. I took the question of if it only sells a thousand copies, do they have to put it on PlayStation? I didn't put it as, oh, we sell twenty million, so we're gonna have to sell twenty million more. That's not how I read it personally. I, 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 what's funny is you can read it either way. It's like how optimistic <clears throat> you are in your in your reading. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I like to think that it's like the Minecraft and Grand Theft Auto Five thing where the game takes off and it blows up and becomes such a cultural phenomena that having an exclusive is only going to actually hurt your ability to make more more off of it. Which is why at the end of the day, Microsoft goes, yeah, we're going to just... Uh, oh, uh, anyway, that Microsoft just says, yeah, we're going to release uh, Minecraft even though we paid all this money for it. We're going to keep it on PlayStation because why wouldn't we? And yeah, at that point... The difference there is Minecraft was already in the zeitgeist. No, you're right. I think it would have been too damn more damaging to Minecraft to take it off than anything else they could have done. So, no, you're right. But I think that this is interesting to see. Can a game reach that level? Even when Microsoft released it's a new IP, it doesn't already have that zeitgeist outside of the zeitgeist that comes with being a uh, Bethesda game. So, interesting to see. I think if you look, okay, let's give an answer for both both ways. How many copies do you think, which gets hard because, like you said, sales aren't the indicator, but how would the game have to perform, be it in sales or engagement, in a negative sense for Microsoft to go, the only way this makes financial sense is to still release it on PlayStation? What number do you think it has to hit, more or less? Let's call them unique players. 
if less because that, that I, I would implies have to think, unique like, subscriptions and sales. Less than a million, right? There's no real. Okay. Other than that, at what point? But the thing is, I think not admitting defeat is more valuable to them than the money. Maybe. Not depends on how much this game costs. To be st- fair, but probably, probably a couple right. hundred million dollars. If The Last of Us Two costs two hundred twenty or whatever. There's no shot this doesn't cost around that same price. So it's possible. Um, at the same time, this is made at a slightly different scale, but who knows? I'm curious to see how much this game costs. I'm sure we'll eventually see something that gives us an indication of at least a close estimate. Um, all right. I am kind of with you. I think that if the game gets to a point where I'm, I want to go a little bit higher, I think if it doesn't crack 2 million in unique players, like you, where they can go, okay, this is one Game Pass subscription and or one purchase, I think that they may start looking and going, was it the smartest idea to, to <clears throat> forego the PlayStation release that was already in the works? Uh, but I think on the flip side, I think if this game sells 80 million copies somehow across you know all the Xbox and PC, that they may go... Yeah, to keep this up, we can suddenly add another forty million if we just open this game up to PS5. I, I could see there being a vastly high number <laughs> to where they go. This is too stupid to not release on but they, everything. I guess I just don't. See Same it at true all. of PlayStation. Just to throw that out there. Yeah, sure. It, you, if The Last of Us Two came out and sold 80 million copies in like a year and a half, they would be like, "Bro, let's get it everywhere." Let's get it. It may not be Xbox, but they'd be like, let's get it on PlayStation right now. But that's just because of the difference of install base and the fact that PlayStation doesn't do day and date currently. So, yeah. All right. Well, do you have a number in mind that you think that you'd go with? 80 million, I think, is a good, good one. I have no idea. How many copies has Skyrim sold? Probably over 100. 60 million copies. Yeah. As of June 2023. I'm sorry, I so, just genuinely don't believe they'll ever do it. It's going to so. have to be well in excess of, of Skyrim. Um, uh, maybe if it hits Skyrim numbers in a short window, they'll they'll see that. But So you're, you're content, you're contending that no matter what, if it sells even that high, they're just going to say, fuck yeah, we won. Like, yes. We got it. We did it. We got a, we got a, we got a win. We got a W. One All way right. or another, Starfield is theirs. Very important question for you right here, right now. Liam says, with all these remakes happening... Why don't we have a remake of the Hannah Montana game? It's everything Final Fantasy 16 wishes it could be. Facts. That's what I said. I told them, you know, in this day and age, you might even say that Hannah Montana game is a goat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the best of both worlds. It's an easy trophy platinum, and then it's a great <laughs> game. So, Featuring the voice work of Miley Cyrus. And actually, my And Hannah know. Montana. <laughs> <laughs> What's her uh, What's her name in uh, in the show? It's not Miley Cyrus, but it is yeah, Miley. It's, Miley. Isn't it? it's just her and her dad. You're right. It is. It's just, just a strictly fictionalized version. I mean, I know her dad is still who he yeah. is in the show, but I didn't know if they because I didn't know if they gave him a gave yeah. her a fake name or whatever. The only The only difference is in the show she has a 35 year old brother who's actually tends to be 15 or whatever <laughs> it is. You know what's funny though? With Jackson, isn't that his name? Um, I actually liked Hannah Montana, like not, but like my had a little sister that would watch it, and I wouldn't mind that it was on TV. Dude, it's no honest, Wizard of that no Wizards of, of Waverly Place. Facts. That's what I was about to say. That era of Disney is fire. Wizards of Waverly Place, Hannah Montana, incredible stuff. Just like I was thinking earlier, I didn't mention it during the piece of news. 
Codename Project Q sounds like a Kids Next Door character. Oh, dude, uh, Kids Next Door is fucking sick. That's also Cartoon Network, <clears throat> but incredible. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's fast. It's a great cartoon. Courage the Cowardly yeah, but you Dog. Know, Charlie now the that Unicorn. I think, now that I rethink about this, Hannah Montana's whole setup is kind of dumb because the whole thing is that she has to live both worlds so she can be an ordinary teen when she's not being Hannah Montana. But she's already the daughter of one of the most famous country musicians <laughs> in the fucking world. So how in any setup is she a normal teenager, regardless of Hannah Montana and her alter identity? Here's the thing, right? Nobody talks about this, but Hannah Montana is just a Superman story. I mean, yes, it clearly is. Literally through all beats. So, Miley Cyrus by day, Hannah Montana by night. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I misheard you. I just said Miley Cyrus by day, Hannah Montana by night. <laughs> Facts. All day, all night. Oh, man. All right. We come to the end of the show for any of you who do not like to participate in the sexiest part of the show, Velvet's Corner, which we will soon get into. But, Chris, as we wrap up the show, before we move into Velvet's Corner, for anybody who likes to wrap up the show here and move along about their day, what would you like for the community stake to be based off what we've talked about today? Um, do Pork Chops wins again, I think. I like that idea. Man, Porkchops is going. Okay, what is your crossover PlayStation IP where you take a new existing prominent IP and you take a dormant IP and you fuse them and somehow mash them together in order to bring it back to life? Interested to hear what you say? Remember, if you want to answer for that, we will post it on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, at TriangleSQRD. We have... Man, I really got to reach out to Elon and say, reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> reconsider X because I've got a better one. It's way longer, but it's catchy. It's really <laughs> catchy. Uh, Facebook, the group that we mentioned, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, or again, the Discord linked in, linked in the description below. Uh, we normally put that up the day before we record about you know, 36 hours in advance. So you have time to answer, pull in questions. If you want to send questions in, we do the same thing. Uh, we ask across all those avenues. So we hope to see you there and we look forward to hearing more from you. Like I said, if you are new to the, if you're new to the show and you've stuck around this long, we appreciate you and we hope to see you around next week. But with that said, it is time to officially go into the sexy zone. Velvet's corner. Brett. Oh my God. Fix it. Chris, I <laughs> I hate to tell you at this point, I like edging you too much. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Just <laughs> fix it, please. <laughs> one day, Chris. <laughs> one day. Oh. But it's okay. For the time being, we're going to get into, you, you know, we, we called this the sexiest, the sexiest part of the show because definitely at the first, we were getting a lot of very over-the-top, oddly sexual questions. Not on purpose. I think we were making them oddly sexual oh, to some degree. Um, but point being is that it's been sexy for a long time. We've had a lot of fun with it. But this is a little bit of a tame question, but still a fun one. So Velvet asks, or he says rather, if trophies were unlocked for real-life events... What would be the last bronze, silver, and gold trophies you each obtained? So the most recent events in your life that gave you a trophy and at those different scales. Also, looking back over your life, were there any missable trophies, multiplayer-only trophies, or bugged trophies where you feel you were cheated? 
That's so I think this is clearly two questions, right? Philosophical so let's go, question. Let, let's go first and foremost. What are the last three events in our lives that we've done bronze, silver, and gold ones each? We can also, if you want to, I'm surprised I didn't throw a platinum in there. Do you have something in your life that's happened recently where you feel like it, it was platinum territory? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess technically. I would have given this the gold trophy one, but I paid off my car, so that's a platinum trophy. That feels like a platinum trophy. Right? I got all the bronze payments. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'm going to say it's not quite there, but my platinum will be Thursday. Oh, okay. The carpet goes into that room. I have completely torn all the walls down to the studs, re-drywalled entirely, re did all the drywall work, and I've not done that much drywall work in my life, but did all that, textured it, painted it, painted the ceiling, which was a pain in the ass, put a new light in, put new lights in the closet, painted the closets, trimmed it all up, done all this shit. And come Thursday when the carpet's in, this room is done, and I do not have to touch it again. That feels like a platinum. So when Thursday hits, as long as it comes with no hitches, that will be my platinum. My gold for the time being uh, is the putting trim up and doing all the caulk work and it looking impeccable because I've never done trim where I've had to, I've never done trim actually at all uh, around baseboard is really the best way. I've done uh, door trim, but I've never done baseboard. And because of the length of the room, I had to do 45 cuts where you overlay it back together and caulk it to hide the seam. And I was really surprised at how well I was able to pull that off. So that's my gold trophy. So Chris, what is your, your platinum was car payoff. You're muted, but uh, what's your gold if you had to go with one? I said I'm proud of you. But you. Um, <laughs> uh, getting my new job, we'll go with that. You know the cheat code, right? What's the cheat code? Getting a platinum in real life is a real life event. <laughs> so you could say that your gold trophy or platinum trophy could have been you getting the witcher 3 platinum just throwing that out there that's a a cheat code i'll give it as a gold trophy that feels goldish i mean it was a platinum but i feel like it's a really gold accomplishment okay more gold than getting a new job both both can be golds i think we'll give we'll give witcher 3 the silver trophy that seems that seems good. Now, can I can I quickly ask? Did you did you go and look at the potentially haunted place? What? No, I did the- not. <laughs> I don't think. Is there a reason? Oh, I I, to- I thought you were talking about The Witcher Three. I was so confused. No, 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 no. Did you no, go and look at the potentially um, haunted property that was very well priced? Yeah, no, because they wanted all the money up front. Uh, well, yeah, I, mean, there was, I don't have $150,000 up front. Well, I mean, but you can get a loan for one hundred and fifty dollars and just throw it at them, but they probably didn't want to have to wait all the time it takes to do that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to. Or it might have been an issue where they can't sell it uh, via loan because of the way the house is in and it has to pass inspection in order to, yeah. depending on the it's price. A fi- it was stuff. a fixer-upper property, but it was also a serial killer's den, so... Yeah, when you sent Never that much. price to me, and you know the housing market, as everyone knows in America at least, is pretty crazy, if not across the whole world. So seeing a uh, pretty solid house like one hundred fifteen thousand with a lot of property, uh, Chris, the the light behind you just turned on. I'm I'm not I'm in not in the hallway. Nope. I, I I know I've joked with you before. I am not joking. I just want you to at least know that much. Okay. Cool. 
I was waiting to see your dad or mom walk out, but they didn't. Uh, and it just turned off. Hmm, <laughs> Chris. Let's just continue before I cry. Is there something walking toward the camera? Brett, shut up. <laughs> we as, can't. We're talking, as we're talking about the haunted house, one of the most creepy things I have ever experienced on camera for you just happened. <laughs> um, so no, I you know that South Park that episode property. where it's it's Randy making fun of, uh, of Cloverfield, where he's got the camera in his face. He's like, "I am so scared right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so frightened." <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, because I'm about to say, getting your own place feels like the next level of a uh, platinum trophy. You know, which yeah, would be so uh-huh. much easier done if you just moved down to Texas or Arkansas. Dude, I'm angling for one of the Texas jobs, so we'll see. Well, there you go. You're fishing for it. Yep. <laughs> quite literally. Yes, quite literally. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go silver. So you got your silver in the Witcher 3 Platinum, which is a pretty fucking killer platinum. That's good silver. Um, I've talked about it a little bit in the Discord because one of our listeners works at the Ford factory, and uh, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, he doesn't work at the plant that makes what I got, but I have wanted one of the new Broncos for uh, since they came out and kept waiting, kept waiting, being patient, being patient. And I finally was able to, the day I went to go in and order one, I happened to have looked online just because I was like, yeah, I'm getting ideas for what I may want. And I already had an idea. But then I saw one and it said it was supposed to be coming in stock. So when I got there to order, I was just like, hey, is this actually going to be in stock? Because this is pretty much exactly what I want with a slightly different paint color, but I'd be okay with it. And uh, they said, oh, actually, the guy called earlier. It wasn't going to be in stock, but the guy called earlier and canceled his uh, thing because he had already bought another one in the wait because the wait process for Broncos is crazy. So uh, I brought a bron- I brought uh, I bought a Bronco. So congratulations! The opposite of Chris, I went from a paid off car to a <laughs> to a car payment. <laughs> but I love it. It's a very nice vehicle, and it's 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 good time. I enjoy it. Sweet. Can't wait go. to ride in it next time I come down. There we go. We're gonna go, dude. We're gonna top. We're gonna pop the top off. Hell fucking yeah! Go buy Yu Gi Oh cards. <laughs> That's, I was just about to say we're gonna pop the top off and go buy some Yu Gi Oh cards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very we're going to listen to Shrezers. We're going to we're gonna pop the top Fuck off yes, and Blair Shrezers. Shrezers and Meg Myers. <laughs> there we go. We'll listen to. Throw That's a little my, ginger in there and then we'll be fine. I'm so proud of you, Chris. You know, you've, you've opened up to so many of the bands that I was just, you know, it's, it's pushed beautiful your way stuff. a little bit. Beautiful stuff. Uh, it's, it's good times. It's good times. Also, just because we're, we're in the talk of music, Creed announced that they have re, like, reunited. And I'm hoping that it's for more. Right now, it's just for a cruise, uh, as all they've announced, that they're going to be the headliner for a, the Summer of 99 cruise. You <laughs> Won't it be ironic if the cruise ship that they're on while they're playing that song starts to go down? That would be fucking... I would be devastated. Um, but Please I hope that Creed... me higher. <laughs> I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> um, wah, 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 wah. 
I hope that they announce uh, other dates because uh, after getting Blink-182 off of my list, which is my next, it's my bronze, I got to finally see Blink-182. Um, I've never, I've been a fan of them for so long and that is one of uh, the bands I've wanted to see for forever that has been getting older and older and separated from Tom and I never thought I'd get to see the original lineup uh, or at least the lineup that everyone came to love um, and I did. Tom got back with Blink and even though they released a kind of mediocre song, uh, that show was fucking killer. It's very fun. So yeah. there we go, Chris. That's, that's my last one. Uh, what's your bronze? Mm, I don't know. It was me and my girlfriend's anniversary. We'll go with that because that's the easiest answer I can come up with. I love how you just said that your anniversary, this very important date for y'all, is just the easy answer and you're just going to default to it. <laughs> I'm, I hope Sadie I, doesn't listen to this part of the show. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention the fact that I put it below getting the platinum in Witcher 3. <laughs> well, to be fair, the Witcher 3 has been around a lot longer than she has. <laughs> oh, oh, Sadie, don't listen to this. I'm sorry. It was a God. joke. It was a joke. You seem like a lovely lady. I've actually not officially, I kind of have met you. Uh, yeah, she was ish. on. She was yeah. here when we recorded once. Yeah, she was. She was. She thought I was talking shit, or she thought you were talking shit. I don't know. One of the two. Yeah, Can't remember yeah. exactly what it was. <laughs> uh, all right. So now we got to go real quick and d- dig deep inside of yourself. Looking back over your life, missable trophy. Do you have a missable trophy in mind? Oh, I mean, it's... Y- yeah, but there, there's a lot of missable trophies. Like, I missed out on a couple of relationships in my life because I stayed with the wrong person for too long. No longer the case though, right? Let's just, let's not dig this hole any further for you, Chris. She doesn't listen. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No longer a problem. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go. 10 out of 10. I missed out on That's fine. I'm going to go with, and, and I'm not as much now, and this seems real weird, but as someone who didn't have a lot of money growing up, you know, we weren't really a very well-off family. Thankfully, my grandfather helped provide for us uh, when my divorced parents could not. Uh, so I always had food and clothes, whether or not it was the newest or greatest thing. Uh, I was very lucky to have that going for me. But as such, I never went to Disney World or any of those types of places as a child, which is where I feel like they are their most magical. I -hmm. think that you're not jaded. You're not thinking of it as a corporate thing and going, of course I have to spend $12 on a fucking Coke. You know, it's like (laughs) none of that happens because you're a kid and you don't have the responsibility. So you're just soaking up all the fun. So I think that's my missable trophy is I didn't go to that type of place. I still not been as an adult, but I know that as an adult, It'll be fun, but it'll be coupled with the $15 for a fucking burger. You're crazy. I think <laughs> yeah. you're underselling. Have you, my favorite genre of like YouTube short kind of things is father's reactions to Disney checks. And it's the funniest shit of all time. <laughs> to Disney checks? Yeah, it's like... It's like someone records them opening the check at dinner at Disneyland and just having a heart attack. <laughs> Oh, because they're crazy expensive. Yeah, I know fifteen dollars is, is fifteen dollars for a burger by itself is expensive in my mind, but that's contextual to where I live. That's also like <laughs> kind of what you pay at Five Guys. You want a burger and fries? That's at least eighteen bucks. You're probably right, but point being, yeah, more like forty five dollars for a mediocre burger. But yes, 
Exactly. I would be too caught up in the fact that everything's too expensive for no reason. And I think Disney across the board is not as good as they once were probably just because of the fact that I'm looking at them with a more um, discerning eye than I was as a kid. But even if it's just the part of me that goes, nah, they were just better back then because of nostalgia, um, which everyone's true. I don't think Disney's as cool as it once was. No. Well, that's one of the things I'll, I'll put out there rather than getting myself dumped is I, my father didn't raise me on like, certain movies mm-hmm. so i don't i don't have the love like i don't give a shit about star wars and like because when i watched them at 20 something years old i was like these movies are kind of bad <laughs> but i know that like as a kid i'd probably like them but like watching again and i've said this before the only star wars movie i think is any sort of viable is fucking uh the second the second one sixth one whatever fifth one i think empire Empire, yeah. Empire, yeah, Empire is, is great. Top 10 movie of all time. But I don't <clears throat> think any other Star Wars movie is very good. Except Attack of the Clones. Um, no, Revenge of the Sith, sorry. But Revenge the of the one. Sith is fucking awesome. I love I that. said the wrong movie. I, I, I actually think that I do of like the movies, the if I'm talking about the ones that I love, it's it's I, I like them all. I can watch mm-hmm. them all um, of the mainline movies before this. I don't think I'll ever watch any of the sequel trilogy again. I just no reason to. <laughs> they, um, I mean, Daisy Ridley's attractive, so yeah, it's a I mean, reason. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Revenge of the Sith, incredible. Empire, incredible. The rest yeah. of them are all just an all right time. Great moments coupled with like, why that? Uh, and I'm sure other people view that differently. But, you know, I mean, I remember as a kid, I was very hyped to watch um, <clears throat> A New Hope. Yeah. Whenever it'd come on TV. But that's just because I was poor. We didn't have cable. So we'd be outside. I think I've told this story with the TV antenna that was so massive. And as you touched <laughs> it, it would complete the circuit. So I'm on the front porch yelling to my brother the details of what's happening as I'm watching them on the TV that's right by the front door while he's holding it. And then in about 15-minute intervals, we switch, and then he starts describing to me what's happening while I'm the one helping ground the circuit to get a better <laughs> signal uh, on Channel 3 or whatever the, the hell was on. So that's a good time. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea of a missable trophy because it's something that – it's kind of like, your, yeah, your thing is like love for Star Wars not getting to start at a young enough age for the same basic idea, the magic of it to really capture Yeah. It. Like I'm super nostalgic for fucking Saved by the Bell, but not Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to explain. It happens to, happens to the best of us. Um, all right, let's see. Multiplayer-only trophies. That one's an interesting thought process because like what is something you feel like you can only do – or that you've only done and it only worked because there was multiple people with you? Um, I mean, I always think about my first time smoking pot was a great story. <laughs> okay, go Have ahead. I ever told the story? So I was, I had a bunch of friends who, I, I hadn't smoked my whole life and a bunch of my friends did. And eventually I just kind of broke, like I got dumped and I just started smoking cigarettes and smoking weed and all this stuff. Um, so my first time ever smoking was with a bunch of my friends who were, um, what's the politically correct way to say drug dealers? Um, Is this when you were talking about playing Slender? No, but that's a good story too. Um, (laughs) I was making sure. Let's just, let's just say they had a lot of weed on them. So we spent probably like four or five hours smoking. Connoisseurs of, of weed. And uh, we end up hanging out at a buddy's house 
and we sit on his porch and we spend those hours talking. And then I'm so stoned that I think I get to a point where I don't think my legs work anymore. And I start crying because I'm going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. And then my friend goes, yo, figs, we're leaving. I just stood up and left. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a pretty good story. Um, I like that story a lot. Yeah. uh, I've never been high. I've never done any drugs. I've, uh, Mm. I've never smoked a cigarette in the real sense. Like when I was like nine and someone offered it to me and I didn't really understand fully. Like my dad smoked, but I didn't really understand what it was. And so I, I, I did that thing where you like, and as soon as it hit my mouth, I was like, this is fucking disgusting, bro. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, and I already didn't like the way cigarettes smell, but I was like, maybe they taste good. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe I can understand why my parents, like why my dad smokes. Um, and no, that didn't work. Um, so it's very interesting hearing those stories because uh, they're they're vastly different. Um, I think hmm, it's, it's a good one because it's like a, you feel like if a trophy, it's like you accomplish something right that you did together uh, with a group of friends. So it's kind of a hard thing to come through because um, it implies that it's something that can only be done with a group of people. Um, I've never done, and it's something I want to do. I've, I've never done an escape room. They always seem cool to me. They seem like my type of event and my type of sensibilities. But at the same time, I feel like I'd get frustrated if I was in there with anybody who wasn't smart enough to make things click. I could be like, you fucking idiot. Yep. <laughs> like, I'd be cool for a while. But once it just was like hitting a, a thing where I could tell it wasn't going, I'd be like, all right, this is fucking, this is done. Um, I don't know if I have a multiplayer-only trophy. You know, that's, that's a really hard one. Uh, let's go bug trophies. Do you feel like you have uh, something in your life that should have been an event, but you didn't get it because you were cheated? I have a perfect answer for this. Um, God, I'm not sure. It's, it's weird because there's stuff like in my youth that's like formative shit that didn't happen to me that I thought would have, but now as an adult, like complaining about it sounds really stupid (laughs) sounds stupid yeah like i think one of the formative things that happened to me as a child was i when i played baseball and i was really good as a kid to the point where like people were scared to pitch to me because i would hit a home run every time and i left the last game being told i was making the all-star team and then just didn't make it like we went out to dinner and everything to celebrate like super super depressing shit for me and so that that would probably be my bug trophy, but that happened when I was like twelve years old. So yours is far more traumatic uh, in an emotional sense for mm. you know uh, dreams unmet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Mine is more recent, and it's because of COVID. So um, I, I won't. I don't want to say it's a whole bunch, but just to give context, uh, one of the companies, one of the vendors that I sell product for, uh, does something where they track how much you sell. And depending on how much you sell, if you hit a certain point, this used to be the case. Co- since COVID's happened, they've stopped. Uh, but I sold enough in one year and a pretty high number to win a free uh, four-day, three-night, all-expenses-paid trip to Mexico. And I have never been out of the country. Uh, I've been out of the contiguous states. I've been, uh, I've been to Hawaii. Um, that's where I was originally born. But... Um, and I've been back again, where I can remember. So I've left it in a time where it's experience that I know. But 
I was going to go to Mexico and I was like, fuck yeah, this is cool. I sold enough. They set the dates on when it was going to be. And then right when I was about to pick dates, COVID hit and they put a freeze on all dates. And then when they opened them back up months later, they only opened them for like a two week period. And it was met with a stipulation that if you went, you had to be tested before you go. When you got there, you had to stay in quarantine for a certain number of days before your thing. And then you got to be in your uh, room. And then before you left, you had to get tested, stay in quarantine, and then come back. So it was going to make what should have been like a week off require like three weeks off and uh, be away from my child for three weeks instead of something short. So I just didn't get to go. And it felt like I wasted that because it was a, well, we know that this was supposed to be incentive for you to sell. But if you don't take it, you just don't get anything. And we just don't, you don't. So I didn't get, didn't get anything for it. I felt like I wasted uh, something I'd earned, and I yeah. didn't even get the chance to go out of the country. So that's my bugs trophy. I should have been out of the out of the country by now, at least once in my life, and I still haven't. Uh, so hey, any of our fantastic UK patrons, if you guys want to save up and fly me and Chris out so we can have some <laughs> out of the country fun. <laughs> That's going to be a Patreon goal. <laughs> Triangle squared UK invasion. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they love us. Well, Oy you know, we fly, we fly you guys out and have the UK invade us. But last time that didn't really work too well. So not for them. That's what I mean. It's we like don't that, want anything unbecoming to happen. It's like that, uh, that video where it's the UK guys fly in and it's us standing there. It's like, Call an ambulance, but not for me. For me, yeah. <laughs> Classic. All oh, right, there I we go. I wouldn't let any Leo Pleradons into the country. <laughs> All right, well, Chris, join me as we close out. Velvet Corner. Are you adequately edged? <laughs> I'm certainly one of those things. <laughs> All right, guys, without further ado, this is the end of the show. We will see you guys next week for episode 316. But as always, before we wrap out the show, we want to remind you that you can head over and support the show with more than just your time, which we are always so thankful for, by going to patreon.com slash nartech and giving as little as a dollar per month to support the show. It helps keep the show on the air to where we don't have to worry about covering these expenses out of our own pocket, which we are very grateful for. One thing we do... While the list is still reasonable to do so, we shout out every single one of our patrons at the end of the episode as a thank you for making this show possible. So with that in mind, we would like to round out the show by thanking Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Red Eye, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week.